The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What is up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 230 for May 29th. Oh, almost said May 30th. May 29th, 2014. Our call at number 347-324-3541. Again, our call at number 347-324-3541. You can listen to the show live by going to mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you only want to hear audio, you can use the Mixler feed, mixler.com forward slash radio or the Blog Talk Radio feed, blogtalkradio.com forward slash radio as well. If you want to listen through the phone, you can also use our call-in number for that. Just don't hit option one, and you'll be able to listen on your phone via your Bluetooth device or via speakerphone if you so choose. All right, we got a lot on tap this week. Uh, we just finished um, NXT TakeOver's live blog. I got to op- open up by saying that Quark... Blade, Jay Santee were on fucking fire. Those guys killed it. Uh, Really want to extend just kudos to those guys. I was reading a lot of the stuff on the live blog. I saw you guys interacting in the comments section um, and also the live blog comments, which were enabled earlier this week. They were in beta last week and the week before, but it seems that they're working well now. So again, props to those guys for fucking killing it because they really did. I'm super impressed and super happy with that. Uh, just want to give you a status update. We are well on the path to 2,000 downloads for the month of May. So, again, just an awesome month. Everything's been running on all cylinders, and it just gives me the uh, the juice and the wherewithal to keep bringing you guys awesome stuff week in and week out. So, again, thank all of you know. I want to thank all of you for downloading the show and supporting the show via reviews uh, on iTunes, retweets, you name it. We we appreciate all the feedback. Definitely means a lot of course our patreon is the big thing which we're trying to get off the ground p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash my take radio that will allow you the listeners to have a hand in the growth of my take radio across the board um every every dollar that's that's got that's received through patreon will go to upgrading equipment uh getting new hardware you name it that's what it's going to cover uh you can start for as little as a dollar per episode usually we do four episodes a month Sometimes we fluctuate, but you can cap your limits as you see fit. Of course, one of our first Patreons 
Uh, Javon Lewis, got to give him a shout-out for being the first to get the ball rolling. As always, if you want further information, head over to patreon.com forward slash mytakeradio or drop me a line at mytakeradio on Twitter or via the Facebook fan page if you have any questions. Again, uh, it's not mandatory, but it's a great way to just help the show grow without having to be at the mercy of advertisers. So figured I would put that out there. Uh, Where are we at with mytakeradio 5.0? Um, the developer and I have been emailing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it seems that just the, this WordPress issue is really slowing things down, but we, we got a couple of things that are coming together. Things are, are working the way they should be. Hopefully we can maybe launch in June. I hope that's the case because we got a lot of exciting stuff on deck for June. A lot of great interviews. We, we got tons of stuff going on. We're going to be meeting with Outdoor Tech next Wednesday, so we should hopefully be seeing some awesome gear which we'll be sharing on the site. In addition to that, of course, we got Consumer Electronics Week the last week of June. I'll be working that event. That will be from June 24th through the 28th, I believe. That's going to be all four days. I'll be working that that entire week. Uh, not sure how the show's going to pan out that week. Maybe we'll do a, a pre-recorded show. Maybe we'll do a live show. It's all dependent on the schedule. But of course, as we get closer to the event, I will keep you guys in the loop with regards to that. A um, couple of other things. We got some brand new t-shirts on the MTR shop. Uh, we got a brand new Buried t-shirt, which the Buried Boys, if you read Quark's latest Buried, are promoting very, very nicely. So props to those guys. If you're a Buried fan, uh, part of the Buried verse, and you want to support Quark and Blade in their endeavors, make sure to check out the Buried t-shirt on the MTR shop. And of course, you can find the link on mytakeradio.com. In addition to that, we put our Brawling for Boobies t-shirt up uh, year-round now. Usually we started with the brand new logo, which we use for Brawling for Boobies in October. A lot of people were saying that we should put the shirts out year-round. I figured uh, if any of the ladies want to pick it up, and even the fellas, because whatever, nobody, we don't discriminate here, feel free to check that out as well. Uh, Last but not least, brand new MTR Behind the Mic is heading your way in June. We'll be interviewing uh, strength coach Jason Ferruja, who just launched uh, Renegade Radio. Uh, just a, an awesome guy. Besides him being a great wrestling fan, uh, just his, his brand new Renegade Radio is off to a great start. He's got a lot of insight just into strength training, a lot of great wrestling stories, a huge hip-hop fan, and he's kind of been on my bucket list as a guy I want to interview, so I'm really, really pumped. Uh, we'll be interviewing him June 23rd. Uh, we're also going to be interviewing the guys from Rubber Onion Animation, and we're looking forward to that. We should be setting that up in June as well, plus a lot of other guests. So our MTR Beyond the Mic and Behind the Mic interview series is going to be chock full of great guests pretty much for the next couple of weeks. As always, if you want to get uh, official access before anybody else, make sure to get the official My Take Radio app available for iOS, Android, and Windows devices for iOS, of course, on iTunes. For Android, you can go to the Amazon Marketplace and, of course, from Windows via the Windows Store. So it's $1.99. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee. You get 96K stereo episodes of the show. Uh, You get early access to some of the exclusive stuff that we record uh, before the general public. So you'll be able to catch that first. Uh, Somebody texted me. Should have put that on silent. Sorry about that. And, yes, that was a Power Rangers ringtone. (laughs) Nonetheless, again, we're going to be doing a lot of great interviews during the coming weeks, and of course, be on the lookout for that. As for content on the site, we got a new Buried. Uh, Slick is currently playing Watch Dogs. Be on the lookout for a review. 
for him from him for that game. Uh, Quark is going to be reviewing the brand new Mario Kart, so be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, the Rightist shared his review of Days of the Future Past. You can check that out. I also have a review for Days of Future Past, which I will be working on. I was originally going to record a minority film report, but just the, the schedule with the shorter work week has really fucked things up. So you'll be getting a written review, but rest assured, the minority film report will be coming back sooner rather than later. And we're probably going to be able to get some other people involved as well, probably Slick or Quark or Quark and Blade uh, to do certain films along with myself. And again, Minority Film Report will be exclusive to My Take Radio app owners first before it heads out to the general public. I see that uh, Jay already put out the first boss botch in the chat room. It happens. Fuck you. (laughs) It is what it is. Anyway, with that said, we got a lot on deck for tonight. We got NXT TakeOver. We got to talk about this past Saturday's UFC event. We got to talk about Chael and Vanderlei and the fallout from that, which is fucking ridiculous. Uh, we got to get into a lot of wrestling news for the week. We got some gaming stuff to discuss. I know Quark, Blade, and Jay should be joining me to discuss NXT TakeOver after the crazy-ass live blog that those guys did. I want to hear some first-hand accounts. I ended up watching... Uh, the NXT TakeOver on tape delay. Uh, Slick was was uh, messaging me, and I was like, dude, I just got home. I haven't eaten. Don't tell me anything. So I wanted to go in there fresh and watch it, and I want to kind of chop it up with those guys to see if we're on the same page with some of the stuff I saw. So we'll be, ha- we'll be doing that as well. And last but not least, we got a ton of entertainment news, and a lot of crazy stuff went down this week, uh, different castings, uh, some Marvel stuff that's really huge. And we'll be getting into that. And as always, we will be taking your calls 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. So let's get the ball rolling and cover some MMA. Because again, this past Saturday's UFC card can only be summed up with holy shit. Let's get it. All right, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get the latest and greatest MMA gear, including rash guards, your favorite fighter tees, and other training accessories at MMAWarehouse.com. Look for their banners on MyTakeRadio.com if you're interested in picking up some merch. All right, so UFC 173. I went into this card not really excited just because a lot of the card got shuffled around. There wasn't Even though I was into the title fight, it wasn't a fight with some guys that I was really vested in, but I really, really insert foot in mouth because holy shit was, um, was that card bananas from start to finish. A couple of uh, guys went in there and really, really killed it. Um, as usual, I'm not going to get into every fight because I want to just pluck out a couple of great fights. Obviously we're not here for recaps. You're here for opinions. So let's, uh, first fight. I want to talk about James Krause. Jamie Varner meeting at lightweight at 155. Um, I'm a a big Jamie Varner fan. The guy is a a journeyman. He's been fighting for a long time. Uh, He's a staple on the mixed martial arts scene. And he always is on the cusp of greatness every time I see him fight. And something happens, always either a crazy finish or or something goes down that always derails, um, you know, Jamie Varner getting to the next level. And And as is the case, his match with... James Krause yielded that exact result. 
Um, James Krause looked really good in the first round, very, very aggressive. What ended up happening, though, uh, Jamie Varner's foot gave out uh, towards the later part of the first round, and um, it was it was weird because Jamie Varner, you can tell that he hurt himself, but he kept going. It almost felt like his corner was not either in the game or wasn't aware that he was as hurt as he was. Some people are saying that it was the ref's job to um, to really be on top of it. Turns out Jamie Varner broke his ankle during that fight, which was which was insane. It blew my mind. I was like, holy shit. He, he you know, Jamie Varner, a, a, a testament to, to how much of a gutsy fucking guy this guy is. He, he went in there, broken ankle and all, and finished that first round. He didn't give a fuck. And you know what it is? You can say what you will about a lot of these guys, but until you lace up a pair of, you know, you lace up a pair of gloves and go in the cage, you're never going to know what it's like. That adrenaline rush, the will to win. And in Varner's case, like I said, his career, it's, it's highs and lows. You know, it, it's, you know, it, it, the highs and lows of his career always trip me out. So I'm really, really bummed that the fight was stopped abruptly due to injury. Nonetheless, Jamie Varner is a warrior, and I look forward to seeing him fight very soon. Now let's talk Jamie, um, excuse me, Jake Ellenberger and Robbie Lawler. Now, of course, this fight, um, everybody was talking about it being a qualifier for a welterweight title fight, and I really wanted that to be the case. Um, But the thing that got me was that after what happened this week, I, I'm really, really annoyed with the way things turned out. Anyway, Jake Ellenberger and Robbie Lawler, as was expected, went to fucking war, these two guys. Uh, Robbie Lawler is is an animal. This guy is a maestro of violence. This guy, he conducted a symphony of fisticuffs through, through each round, just going in there and putting the pressure on Jake Ellenberger. And it's funny because Ellenberger is a guy that gets a lot of a lot of props. He's get he gets a lot of love in the MMA circles. And the crazy thing is, I kind of felt that he got slightly exposed in this fight. Not to say that he's not as good as people make him out to be, but Robbie Lawler's dialed in, and this guy's on a on a whole other level. And I I love the fight. I love the intensity. It was nasty. Um, Robbie Lawler closed it out in the third round with a knee right to the side of the head, which crumpled Ellenberger after that. It was academic. A couple of punches, boom, boom, boom. Fight was over. Again, tremendous, tremendous fight. I loved every round of that fight. It was bananas. It was amazing. Um, you know, Robbie Lawler's come a, a long way. And, and like I said, I loved every every moment, every round of that fight because you knew those guys were coming in there and they were wired for war. And like I said, it was fantastic. Now, of course, Dan Henderson, Daniel Cormier, the winner goes on to face John Jones. And I say that again in quotes because... With the UFC and their booking as of late, one one week they make an announcement that it's a title qualifier. The next week, you know, XYZ guy comes out of the woodwork and he gets the shot. So, Dan Henderson, this is his first post-TRT fight against Daniel Cormier, um, known, known, known in, uh, in casual circles as Black Fedor. I don't know why, but either way, Daniel Cormier... Um, showed that he was on a completely different level at 205 with 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 Hendo, and you know it was crazy because Hendo is no slouch. This is a guy who has tremendous wrestling pedigree. He has the dynamite H bomb, the beautiful loaded right hand that just puts fuckers to sleep. 
and Daniel Cormier was just on a, on a whole other level. He delivered a one, an, an amazing slam on Dan Henderson, which, considering the wrestling pedigree between both guys, I did not expect uh, Dan Henderson to get ragdolled the way he did. Cormier looks solid. Not only that, but he secured the victory via rear naked choke in the third round. Definitely a hard-fought fight. Uh, no disrespect to Dan Henderson. Like I said, the guy's a warrior, future Hall of Famer. The guy still—I think the guy still has juice in the tank to continue bringing great fights to the organization. As for Daniel Cormier, of course, he went right in there and got at John Jones. Everybody wants a piece of John Jones. Alexander Gustafson, Cormier. Everybody wants to whoop John Jones' ass. Anthony Rumble Johnson. It's an exciting time at 205. But my only problem is that they're not marketing these guys the way they should. Daniel Cormier has tremendous pedigree. This guy came from Strike Force, undefeated in Strike Force, was the heavyweight Grand Prix champion. He took that. It, 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 the UFC should really be going out of their way to create these new stars, to try and go out there and get these guys. And I've said it week in and week out. You tell somebody, oh, Daniel Cormier is a, is a force to be reckoned with a 205, and you have to either show them highlight real footage or you got to do something more to let people know who these individuals are. It's not like Dan Henderson who who's on a, you know, you tell somebody, hey, Dan Henderson, everybody knows who Dan Henderson is. Everybody knows about the H-bomb. Everybody knows about him separating Michael Bisping from his consciousness and pretty much knocking like five years off his life with that t- with that knockout when they fought Everyone knows who Dan Henderson is, period. Daniel Cormier, not so much. And you're trying to build these young guns. You're trying to get these guys, these hitters out there in front of the public eye. You got to do a better job. That's all I'm saying. But again, great performance. I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with Cormier. Wonderful submission victory on the legendary Dan Henderson. Again, great fight. And hopefully we'll see Cormier in there mixing it with John Jones sooner rather than later. Now, let's talk bantamweight fight. TJ Dillashaw, who, by the way, is not even in the new UFC game. Just just, just, just absorb that for a second. The UFC roster for the new game is out. There are, I believe, nine bantamweights in the initial roster. TJ Dillashaw is not one of them. Just let that sink in. TJ Dillashaw went in there and dismantled Henan Barrow for five rounds. It was ridiculous. Closing it out with an awesome TKO victory in two minutes and about two minutes, 20 seconds in round five. But holy shit, was it a coming out party for TJ Dillashaw? He came in there and everybody knows that Henan Barrow, Jose Aldo, these guys come in there and they really, really, they, they scrap. These are guys that go in there. They work tremendous striking. Their 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 Muay Thai game is on point. Their leg kicks are on point. But it was TJ Dillashaw's time to shine. And boy, did he shine in this fight. It was re-damn-diculous. I, 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 I was speechless after I saw this fight because I was like, dude came out of nowhere. Dude came out of nowhere and whooped Henan Barral's ass. And the thing that gets me is everybody talks about Henan Barral, the Brazilians like Jose Aldo being the hitters, being, you know, just a force to be reckoned with. But TJ Dillashaw, Team Alpha Male, holy shit, they brought the gold to their camp. And it was tremendous. The only thing I didn't like was, um, you know... Uh, Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan talking about his greatest before the greatest MMA performance he's ever seen. 
you know, I, I feel that that was a little bit of overselling, but again, it doesn't take away from the fact that the fight was was fucking tremendous. It's a it's a it's a good time to be a bantamweight fan. There's a lot of great guys in that division. Where it goes from here remains to be seen. Obviously, a Henenborough rematch is a no-brainer, but yo, TJ Dillashaw, the guy is your bantamweight champion and he is not in your game. Which just just let that sink in. Of course, there's always DLC, but again, TJ Dillashaw, your brand new bantamweight champion who is not in the UFC game. Just just let that sink in. All right, so with that said, UFC 173 was tremendous. If you go on our MMA side, on the MMA side of things on mytakeradio.com, you'll see that Ben's breakdown pretty much emulated how I feel. Super, you know, super pumped. I mean, I'm also in a good mood because I got, you know, the, the almighty white monster can, but even still, it was just a great card. I'm excited to talk about it just because the last couple of weeks we've been doing MMA and it just feels like it's paint by numbers going through the motions. You know, the excitement for the sport is kind of just... Uh, been passing me by as of late. I haven't been ordering the cards as much. I've been skipping cards just because it's just the fights haven't been there. They haven't been there. And now it's like that fight, that card, that 173 card was was bananas. I was glad I saw it. You know, I was very happy to, to have seen the card. Um, again, props to TJ Dillashaw for, for his work in that fight because it was tremendous. Uh, we got a couple of fights in June, which we're going to get into, and I'm going to discuss that. And, of course, the big one in July, super pumped for. Um, it, it's it's going to be a, a great few months of MMA. So with that said, let's get into the week's MMA news because there are quite a bit. So fighter bonuses, of course, $50,000 were given out. Uh, first uh, performance bonus went to Mitch Clark. Second bonus went to TJ Dillashaw. Big shocker there. And fight of the night bonus went to TJ Dillashaw as well. Guy um, walked away with a belt and $100,000 in his pocket. Definitely not a bad way to go. And, you know, <laughs> not, not bad for 25 minutes of work. So there you have it. TJ Dillashaw walks away with a crisp $100,000 in his pocket. Now, on the um, World Series of Fighting side of things, I, I talked about um, Jake Shields being injured and being out of his fight with John Fitch. He has been replaced by the always exciting Josh Berkman. Now, the cool thing is this World Series of Fighting card, uh, they got a brand new agreement with NBC. So you'll be able to watch this card on NBC July 5th. Uh, Justin Gagey will be taking on Nick Newell for the lightweight title. Uh, Nick Newell is a one-handed uh, mixed martial artist definitely don't um you know don't discount this guy don't think that just because the guy is missing a hand that he won't beat your ass this guy's undefeated even with one hand dude is a problem so that that fight alone is worth watching john uh josh berkman uh, excuse me josh berkman and john fitch will be meeting and jay-z cavalcante and melvin gallard are just uh Three of the fights that have been announced for this card, I'm sure that with the announcement that it will be airing on NBC, we're going to be getting a lot more fight announcements in the near future. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Post UFC 173, Dana White announced that Michael Bisping will be taking on Kung Lee. Uh, Kung Lee, of course, uh, a previous guest on the show, uh, very solid actor. He's been in a lot of decent martial arts movies that I've been watching. And, you know, he takes these weird hiatuses from the sport. Then he comes back. He delivers solid performances. Uh, he will be facing Michael Bisping. 
for the UFC's show in Macau on August 23rd. Uh, Hector Lombard will be facing Stun Gun Kim in the co-main event. So I think that's going to be a tremendous fight. We'll see if maybe we can get Kung Lee back to talk about that fight and just to catch up and see how he's been. If we do get to pull that off, I will let you guys know. So be on the lookout for that. Now, the UFC is going to have a very, very busy Saturday. So if you are, um, you know, uh, a hardcore MMA fan, there are two cards you can watch. First up, you got UFC Fight Night 41 with Mark Munoz taking on Gegard Mousasi. That is going to be on UFC Fight Pass starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. Also on that card, Francis Carmont, C.B. Dalloway, Luke Barnett, and Sean Strickland, and Nicholas uh, Backstrom taking on... Tom Ninimaki, excuse me, I, I know I messed up that guy's name probably. Um, the prelims will be on UFC Fight Pass beginning at noon. Now, besides that, you also have the Ultimate Fighter Brazil finale. That's going to be happening on Fox Sports 1 beginning at 10 p.m. Uh, the main event, Fabio Maldonado taking on Stipe Miocic. And of course, you're going to have your heavyweight and middleweight tough Brazil tournament finals. Also, on that card, Damian Maya and Ronnie Jassan will be fighting on that card. The prelims will be on Fox Sports 1 beginning at 8. So again, it's a full day of MMA Saturday beginning with excuse me, uh, UFC Fight Night 41 on the Fight Pass with Mark Munoz, Gegard Mousasi in your main event. And then we got the Tough Brazil finale at 10 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. All right, so let's let's talk about Chael Sonnen. Let's talk about Chael. Now, as many of you know, I've been talking about Chael and Vanderlei mixing it up uh, for the longest time and the fights being derailed, the fights being uh, just just cast aside, shit going crazy, everything going wrong. Well, guess what? That fight, not happening. How about that? That fight is not happening. According to what happened, they went to conduct a random drug test on Vanderlei Silva at his gym. He did not take the test and instead snuck out through the back door. In addition to that, he did not renew his fight license with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. So with that said, Vanderlei Silva is out of the fight with Chael Sonnen. Instead, Chael will now be facing Vitor Belfort. And they will be fighting at 205. But here's the crazy part. The winner of that fight will get a championship opportunity against the winner of Weidman and Machida. So you're probably saying to yourself, when was the last time Chael won a fight, a, a title fight, and why does he keep getting these title opportunities? So before you ask that question, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, Vitor Belfort is the number one contender on paper. And what happens is, Vitor being number one, Chael stepped up and he said, if I beat Vitor, do I get the title shot? And they were like, yeah, you're beating the, num the number one contender, so the title shot is yours. In addition to that, Chael is a guy that will fight anytime, anywhere, anybody. That's one thing. As soon as a guy gets hurt, Chael's on that phone, yo, I want to fight this guy. I think if Chael could drop to 155, he'd step in and fight guys at 155. The guy is a company man through and through. Now, the thing that gets me is people get bent out of shape about that, but it's like he is a company man. The organization is taking care of him because he's taking care of them. Think about it. He went into the Ultimate Fighter in Brazil in enemy territory where he probably could have got killed, and he didn't. 
He he had a great season with Vanderlei minus the the scuffle, and then Vanderlei fucking bails. And the crazy thing is, uh, you know, I'm a big Vanderlei Silva fan, but this goes back to just my love of the old UFC, the love of pride fighting. And with that said, you know, for Vanderlei to kind of just, I don't even want to say he chickened out because, you know, that's that's just disrespectful to the fighters. But for him to not take the drug test, not renew his license, it's like, it's like, did you even want to fight? Did you even want it? Did you even want to defend your honor? This is a guy that you felt personally offended you when he spoke ill of Brazil. You felt that he personally offended you when he called you a coward, etc., etc., etc. If you're that pissed off, you should be you should be outside the athletic commission's office with a jug of piss waiting for it to be tested. Th- that's how crazy it is to me. In addition to that, you have a guy that he got into a legit fist fight during the season. It's like, dude, you guys hate each other so much. What the fuck happened? What happened? You know, and people, and of course, the first thing is, well, if, if Vanderlei didn't want to take the drug test, maybe it's because he would have failed the test. Could it, It's possible, you know, it, it's tough to speculate on something like that without having the full details, but let's be realistic. The guy pretty much ran from the commission Chael found out he was facing Vitor. He addressed it on UFC tonight, and he said it. He's like, listen, I'll fight him. Fuck it. I don't care. This is my job. This is what I'm here to do. And if I get a title opportunity, so be it. And I can't I can't knock it. I can't. People are going to be like, oh, you know, fucking Chael again in the title picture. But who else is stepping up? Think about it. You just finished the, the Ultimate Fighter season for Brazil. The finale is this weekend. The coaches are supposed to fight either at the finale or shortly thereafter. What happens? The uh, the guy bails. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of theatricality with Chael, a lot of wrestling influences, but you know what? That's what sells. That's what makes money. That's what brings people to the dance. That's what makes people hype. And I, and I agree, you know, I agree that it's, it's just a, a crazy situation. I mean, you know, GFQ Human says it, it too. It's like, you know, it jail beefs or WWE, probably scripted. The thing that gets me is the fact that Vitor, this is a guy who hasn't been licensed to fight here in the States. You know, he was coming off post-TRT. He's getting the TRT out of his system. All of a sudden, he's ready to go after withdrawing from the title fight. Yo, it's fucking crazy. It is crazy. And it just disappoints me as a fan especially in Vanderlei, because again, I'm a big Vanderlei Silva fan. Who knows what the circumstances were, but it just looks incredibly shady to me. And again, even for this fight, and I've said this for the last couple of months, I wasn't going to root against either guy because I'm a, I'm a mark. I'm a fan for both of them. Vanderlei, just for, for the amount of violence that, that he brings to the cage, for the excitement he brings to the cage, and for Chael, just for being Chael, you know, the, for having that right level of theatricality, for, for knowing how to sell fights, you can't knock the guy for that. Hey, we're in this sport for two things, to get paid and to fuck people up. And it's either going to be one or the other or both. In Chael's case, he's he's doing both. Vanderlei, he, he probably got a good payday for the Ultimate Fighter, and he probably would have got an awesome payday for, for the fight with Chael. It's like, it's like, dude, what the fuck happened? It's just insanity. And again... I'm as a fan, I'm just incredibly disappointed, but I am hype 
for Vitor and Chael. There's a there's a lot of things that can go in either direction. If Chael if Chael uses the wrestling and Vitor can't neutralize it, it's going to be a lot of smother and cover and ground and pound from from of course the the gangster himself. Meanwhile, on Vitor's side of things, if Chael decides to to test his skills and stand with Vitor, he definitely risks getting knocked the fuck out either with his hands or with his feet. Vitor is definitely dangerous, and with the resurgence that he's had, whether it's TRT-fueled or not, the fact of the matter is Vitor is very, very dangerous. Now, let's let's think about this. If Chris Weidman retains against Lyoto Machida, and we get Weidman versus Chael for the belt, is that a fight people are going to be as interested in as, say, Vitor and Weidman, or better yet, Machida and Chael? I think Machida and Chael would work only because Chael would go the extra degree to try and sell it. It's very hard for him to try to sell a fight with Weidman because Weidman is a very, very likable guy. So this is this is one of those things that if Chael gets into the title picture, it's going to be very difficult to sell the fight with either one of those guys because both guys are are class acts. They're they're very well spoken, and it's it's going to be very very you know it's going to be very interesting. Meanwhile. Uh, switching gears, if, if it goes with Vitor, I think Vitor and Weidman can sell a fight because there's genuine dislike, especially from Weidman, with regards to Vitor. So again, it's going to be really, really interesting in that regard. GFQ Human says, if Chael can't take Vitor down, he's in trouble. I do agree. If he can't take him down to use the, the, the smother and cover and the ground and pound, he definitely can get knocked out standing. So there you have it. So you know, I was talking about Robbie Lawler and Jake Ellenberger, and I was super pumped about that fight. Well, my mind got blown earlier to earlier this week when it was announced that Robbie Lawler will be squaring off against the immortal Matt Brown, with the winner getting a title shot against Johnny Hendricks. You know, at, at the one in the 170 pound weight class. Holy shit, is that going to be a war? Robbie Lawler, of course, on a tear, and Matt Brown is just a, a, a psychopath. So definitely a, a great fight. Like I said, either one of those guys deserve a title opportunity. If you want to talk MMA math, then Matt Brown with the win streak should be your number one contender, but you can't take anything away from Robbie Lawler. That goes down UFC on Fox 12, July 26th. Also on that card, Anthony Rumble Johnson will be squaring off against Little Nog, and Michael Johnson will be taking on Josh Thompson. Also, Darren Krukshank will be taking on Jorge Masvidal, which is going to be probably a, a, a show stealer for sure. Dennis Bermudez will be taking on Clay Guida. And uh, Kyle Kingsbury is also announced on that card, as is Steven Seiler and Noad Lahat. Again, mark this down on your calendars, July 26th. It is going to be a war. Robbie Lawler, Matt Brown, get hype. I'm telling you. Uh, GFQ Human says, that's crazy. I like both those guys. <laughs> Dude, I, again, like Chael and Vanderlei, I'm not rooting against anybody. I'm just going to sit on this uh, in front of my TV like this, just super hype because I know it's going to be crazy. I know it's going to be fucking insane. That's all I'm saying. So with every with every great bit of MMA news that comes out, there's always a bit of controversy. This past week is no different. And I want to bring this to the attention of you guys because I want to see how you guys feel about it. So, according to what they're saying, the UFC is going to be asking new and current fighters for a release of their medical records as well as their criminal history. 
as part of their background checks uh, that will allow them to protect themselves in case there's any negative things in a, in a fighter's file. Now, the thing that gets me is that you're, you're asking the fighters to release their medical records. You all, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you got to deal with with regards to that. Primarily, you know, um, doctor patient confidentiality issues that will arise as will, um, you know, attorney client issues with regards to criminal background checks. So me personally, I understand you go to any job, they got to check your background and that's totally understandable. I have no issue with that. You want to do a background check? Have at it. Proceed. It's all good. Now, my issue is when you're digging into a fighter's medical history, it's a little bit of a gray area. A lot of people are saying, well, part it's good because the UFC wants to protect themselves because there's a lot of shit that comes out down the road and then they end up being on the hook, whether it's because of insurance or something else. And I understand to a degree, but I also feel like I said, there's a lot of, of, of patient client and attorney client situations where that stuff may not be the right thing to do. Now I got to ask you guys, do you guys feel that the, that the UFC is encroaching on fighters personal lives by asking for that much information versus say, uh, you know, um, educational background check and just a regular background check. Do you think that the UFC is being invasive or do you think they're just trying to cover their own bases? Me personally, I'm a little torn. I'm 50 50 because on one end, I understand that they don't want to get bring in guys that have weird medical conditions that may uh, hinder them down the road or guys that have, you know, charges of spousal abuse or terroristic threats or et cetera. So I understand where they're coming from, but it's, it's a very, very, very gray area. The UFC, I understand they want to protect themselves. Um, uh, GFQ human says, yes, he agrees. Um, you know, it's crazy because companies ask independent contractors to sign tons of different documents and it, I'm curious, and I'd love to know if WWE has the same type of policy. Uh, GFQ Human says that it is invasive. So with that said, and I'm curious if WWE's policy is the same where, and I know to a degree it is that fighters, but I mean wrestlers, before they get signed, they have to take a physical, their medicals got to be in order, and once they pass their medicals, they're cleared to either take a developmental deal or start on the main main roster. In the UFC's case, they're not even going that far. You're not even you don't even have your foot in the door. On the contrary, what what they're doing is they're going to want to find out everything about you and then that'll be part of the determination of whether you can come on board or not. Now, where is there where are the where's where's it going to be the breaking point in the sense that Say a guy has a couple of priors, maybe for, you know, drug arrest for some weed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, nothing crazy, but, you know, just just things like that. Are you going to hold that against them? Like, think about this. A guy gets popped for marijuana when he's 17 and whatever. He's fighting. He's he's been clean. He's been working. But do, does that concern the organization that the guy has a history with marijuana due to what's been happening with drug testing? Or is it going to be a question where they're not going to let they're going to be OK with stuff like that? And they're just going to be focusing on the more serious things, you know, spousal abuse, child neglect, um, you know, pedophile shit, whatever. Is, is it going to be that or is it just going to be something across the board where they're going to be more strict with that? 
I'm I'm curious to see how it pans out. I'm curious to see how the fighters react. Um, in the chat right now, John Blade says, if you're getting into a combat sport, it would make sense for them to look at your medical history. Uh, GFQ Human says, I think they already take physicals and stuff. So, you know, uh, he also says the UFC have staff doctors and they have to be medically cleared to fight. This is too strict. Hashtag sport killer. So it, it, it's crazy that they're going to dig that deep. I mean, again, it's, it's something that's been talked about. I haven't seen a lot of fighter pushback as of yet because who knows, maybe some of this stuff may have been adapted already and the UFC is just making it public. But again, it remains to be seen and it'll be a situation we'll be monitoring very closely given the fact that they're holding so many seasons of The Ultimate Fighter, etc., etc., you know, what the thresholds are, what the determinations are going to be, and how they impact future signings are going to be very, very interesting. All right, so on the Bellator side of things, we know that their crazy pay-per-view um, happened last week, and I, I, I'll i be happy to tell you guys, uh, excuse me, the week prior, I'll be happy to tell you guys that Bellator's pay-per-view did all right. It sold about uh, fifty to 60,000 buys, so definitely pretty solid considering that uh, Pride 32, Bulldogs, Fedor, Fedor versus Linlin, uh, Fedor versus Arlovsky. They definitely had some lower numbers. Um, so interesting to see that uh, Bellator's pay-per-view was well-received. I personally felt it wasn't worth the price that it was, but I'm shocked that at least, you know, 100,000 people decided to drop the money and pick it up, which is weird. But, hey, it is what it is. So, as I was saying to close out the MMA segment, um, you know, Chael was on UFC tonight talking about the situation with Vanderlei, and um, I want to get into that because Chael's commentary when he talked about it on the show was very interesting, and I want to see what you guys got to say. Um, Vanderlei has operated his, this was what he said on UFC tonight, Vanderlei has operated his entire career under the shadow of suspicion that he was using performance-enhancing drugs. However... He has never failed a drug test, so we don't speculate on those type of things. That clean record came to a screeching halt on Saturday night when he refused to take a test. I don't mean that figuratively. I mean they came to his gym and he literally ran out the side door. They come after him saying his name, trying to get him to take the test. I have not spoken to the commission in Nevada, so here I'm going to speculate that they will revoke his license and perhaps his career in the UFC will be done. So definitely um, very, very interesting for sure. Um, we'll see how that pans out. As for um, GFQ Human's question, I believe Arlovsky is fa- is fighting Brendan Schaub. Um, it's funny. Uh, Brendan Schaub was a guest on the show. Wow, I think it was last year or the year prior. couple of things. I only recently found out that he's dating Ronda Rousey. Didn't know that. So that was a, a, a bit of a surprise. Uh, the other thing was that he was probably one of the guys that I got the most feedback from from MMA fans with regards to interviewing him because they just felt that it was not a good interview. Like they felt that he wasn't really um, connected with us. But it, it's weird. I, I I mean I like watching the guy fight. He's pretty talented. He's you know he does fairly well in there. Um, when it comes to him and Arlovsky, I got to root for Arlovsky versus Schaub, regardless of whether he was on the show or not. I think Arlovsky is just a better, um, a better guy in terms of marketability and just excitement. But Brendan Schaub was, you know, he was a guest on the show and a lot of people just messaged me after that interview and they were like, wow, that guy just either he either he was being coached 
or he wasn't giving us anything. And I wanted to address that because I wanted to say that not every interview we're going to get guys that are super committed, super in the zone. Um, you know, one interview that I personally felt I wasn't happy with was the interview at the time with the CEO of Ring of Honor. And it turned out that the interview went surprisingly was surprisingly well received. So again, things like that, they fluctuate. But I will say that the Brendan Schaub interview, a lot of people just came back to me like, like, you know, he, he couldn't be bothered. He wasn't in the zone. I don't know. I think that's one of the reasons kind of why I started stepping away from MMA interviews, just because there's a lot of guys I want to interview. There's a lot of uh, guys I want to get on the show, but certain guys can give you a bit more than others. And I want to make sure you guys get the best interviews possible. But with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. As always, if you want more MMA news, make sure to head to mytakeradio.com and always look for content from our very own Ben, who is our, 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 our unofficial MMA kingpin. Hopefully he will get us a fighter of the month, but I know his schedule has been a bit hectic. That's why he hasn't been on air uh, the last couple of weeks, but hopefully we will get a brand new fighter of the month from Ben and I'll make sure to um, let you guys know when that goes live on the site. All right, so let's get into some wrestling because, man, oh, man, do we got a lot to discuss. Booker T, take us into it, shall you? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! All right, My Take Radio's wrestling segment, as always, is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Get the latest and greatest WWE merchandise, apparel, DVDs, figures, the works, WWEShop.com. Use the promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders of $70 or more. So there you have it. As always, if you want to join in on any segment, our call number 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. Three five four one. So I want to get the ball rolling. Um, I wanted to start with Raw, but given that NXT Takeover just ended, it was so fresh. Uh, definitely want to get all hands on deck. Uh, Captain Quark, Blade, uh, Jay Santee, if you please uh, feel free to dial in whenever you're ready. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about NXT Takeover, and then we'll get into the breakdown with those guys. And hell, maybe they'll stick around. We'll talk about Monday Night Raw as well. So NXT Takeover was uh tonight and it was a uh, live broadcast i ended up watching it on tape delay of course for those of you that don't know um nxt takeover is pretty much the rookie show uh for the wwe and these guys they are a lot of them just are on the cusp of greatness ready to get the call up to the to the main roster and i was thoroughly impressed i mean nxt arrival was incredibly enjoyable so um you know i'm definitely curious to see what these guys got to say. So, um, like I said, Quark, Blade, Jay Santee, whenever you're ready, feel free to call in. Let Slick know, and he will cue you guys up. But as I was saying, um, a lot of guys, it was a coming out party for a lot of guys, and it was also a kind of a swan song for certain veterans just because they helped get a lot of individuals over. Uh, Natalia, of course, in her match with Charlotte, and Tyson Kidd in his match with Adrian Neville, the man that gravity forgot. Now, the thing that gets me with that is that both of these fights, 
Uh, both of these matches had title implications, and people were were chomping at the bit, talking about, is Natalia going to become the Divas Champion in NXT? Is she going to get the the brass ring in NXT that she couldn't get on on regular WWE programming, et cetera, et cetera? So it really felt like it was it was not a shock to see her uh, lose that match tonight. But I did feel that it was probably one of the highlights of the broadcast. I did feel that the Divas Division, with what I saw during this broadcast, really has a lot to look forward to with a lot of these Divas. I think there's definitely a lot of talent in NXT, and hopefully when it can translate well to the main roster. I also feel that Adrian Neville and Tyson Kidd, with, with the situation going on with Tyson Kidd and what people have said about him and the rumors we've been hearing, I was just thoroughly impressed with what we got in that match. So with that said, um, let me start bringing these guys on board and let's queue up some some volume for these fellas and let me bring them in. Captain Quark. Of Quark it's me, baby. There you go. Oh, man, your volume is on point today. What are you calling from, landline? Oh, time. Oh, dude, I, uh, I got that, uh, that new Pantech. No, I'm kidding. All right. So uh, let me bring Jay in. Jay Santi. Yes, sir. Oh, Let's man. go, Rangers. There you go. Oh, you guys are you guys are hype. Everybody's audio is on point. Um, I think John Blade is being queued up. I'll bring him in. So, uh, with that said, just before we get into the matches a little bit, um, Quark, for, you know, it was your your first like full on live blog. How did it feel running the show? Yeah. I, I saw you in there in the early going. Yo, yo Barry boys, they should they shouldn't call it NXT Takeover. They should call it fucking Barry Takeover, baby. So, what'd you think of the card overall before we get into the matches? Uh, I've been watching wrestling for a while, and the card was phenomenal. It's probably the best Divas match I've ever seen, ever. Wasn't it amazing, man? It was fucking crazy. Phenomenal, dude. Phenomenal. All I got to say, uh, Bret Hart, went after the match, said Natalia, you'll never be a heart. You'll never be a heart. Yeah, that was, that was, that was some ballsy shit. Let me, uh, let me go to Jay real quick. Jay, you, you are a, uh, a student of the game, indies, regular, you know, we've been doing this shit a long time. Uh, what'd you think? The show was actually much better than I thought it would be. First of all, I just hated the title. It was very misleading. Right. NXT TakeOver, I'm thinking more like of an invasion. I would have thought more like bigger WWE superstars super would have been there. <laughs> but um, overall, the, uh, the, the night was actually exactly what you wanted to see and more, especially the fact that I kept saying the whole night, why is it that we can't get matches like this on Raw and SmackDown? I agree 10,000%. I agree. Now, um, switching it over to John, John was down here in New York with me this past week, and uh, we watched some TNA Impact. We watched a little uh, some wrestling. We talked about a lot of stuff. John, how did it feel? How was the, how was the vibe for you with this broadcast versus the, uh, the, the first NXT broadcast? <laughs> Versus uh, Arrival. Yes. Well, I thought Arrival was pretty good itself, but with um, TakeOver, I think they definitely it seemed like they raised the bar a little bit, especially including uh, Natalia and Tyson Kidd in there, the veterans. But um, overall, I thought I'd say it was on par with Arrival, maybe even a little bit better. Okay, so let, let, let me just flip it back to Quark. Um, a lot of people say that Triple H's involvement 
and making NXT what it is has been just a driving force in creating so many new stars so quickly. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't hear of, I mean, I've heard of Sami Zayn. I didn't really know about him. Honestly, I, I remember he was El Generico. But besides that, this was the first match I've ever seen of him. And he's, he's a future, he's a future main eventer just from the match I saw with him. Right. With, against Tyler Breeze. That, he's, he, in my, I was talking to John. I think he almost reminds me of like an NXT John Cena that everyone actually loves. He's just True. so likable. He's so talented. He's just like the perfect everyman. And I think he's he's a future star, hands down. Okay. What about you, Jay? I'm thinking when I see Sami Zayn, I see the NXT version of Daniel Bryan. He's the guy that everybody's backing. They know his background. They know he's from the bingo halls. They know that he's, you know, this guy who has this I'm going to come back and fight attitude and He's also a guy that's not afraid to put someone over because it makes him look good. Sami Zayn, everybody complained about him taking off the mask. I actually thought him without the mask was going to give him more of a fan appeal and more of a a, a draw when it came to um, wrestling other wrestlers. Okay. John, what about you? I think Triple H definitely is like the, the driving force behind this because before... I'd say this year, NXT wasn't, like, I, before Arrival, I'd only seen, like, maybe one NXT broadcast, but now with Triple H backing it up, it's got, it's had two pay-per-views. Like, compared to not watching any of it at all, now seeing some of the best matches on wrestling in months, I, I gotta think Triple H has something to do with that. Well, one thing I have to say, and this is something that's been, very, very impressive is the fact that they're putting a lot of great production behind NXT. And in turn, it's allowing these guys to become more accustomed to being in front of, you know, the live cameras and working the live camera matches. I think that's one thing. And Dean Ambrose mentioned that in an interview. He goes, it's very different to come from the indies and learn how to wrestle WWE style because he's like, you know, you got to know where to do a spot in front of which camera. You got to know how to play to the hard camera in front of you. So it's definitely very, very good for the NXT crew to get the exposure that they're getting. Um, especially with the, with the full sale crowd. Those guys, that crowd is tremendous from start to finish. So I want to break down the matches. Um, I want to, I'll start with John just because he, when he was down here, we saw Adam Rose in a match. Um, and he, he opened things up with Camacho and their match was not as good as I would have thought considering how good Adam Rose looked on the main broadcast. What do you think, John? I think that they're just starting, like Adam Rose is just starting to open up. Okay. Like every, every week he seems to progress a little bit more and more. His matches with Camacho aren't horrible, but they're not that great either. I think given time, You'll really be able to see what Adam Rose is doing, and Camacho. I think, uh, I really don't know what to say about Camacho. It just seems like he's there, but with NXT, it just seems over time we get more accustomed to him. Well, it's funny because Camacho is the son of King Haku. For those of you that are seasoned um, wrestling fans, King Haku was part of the Heenan family, um, one of the many dangerous Samoan athletes that came through the organization. So you know he's got a great pedigree. I think the problem with Camacho is that. You got a Samoan guy playing a Mexican gangbanger. 
that that in and of itself is just like right. That's what that's the only thing you could come up with. It was weird. So, you know, seeing him in there with Adam Rose, who has so much charisma and he's he's so hype, it just doesn't work the same way. Now, I want to flip it over to Jay. What did you think? What's happening with him, as in Adam Rose, is that we are now seeing him having to transition into this gimmick because if we would have seen him as his Leo Kruger, it oh, would have yeah. been just straight demolishment, and he's comfortable with that style. Now that he's into this play to the audience more, he's more, you know, play lovable, and, and I mean, he's, he's still getting comfortable with that. But all in all, uh and he 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 he's so he's on track to to basically become a, a solid Mick Carter. Okay, Quark. What about you? Where do you stand with Adam Rose after this performance? I'm a lemon. I'm a <laughs> flat out lemon, dude. I'm not a fan of Adam Rose. I'll be honest. Nobody yeah, touches a, my lemon. Very strong. <laughs> I get a very strong uh, Fandango vibe from him. I thought Camacho were good. But, so you're, you're getting a Fandango vibe from Adam Rose and, and not Tyler Breeze. Oh well, Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze don't go. Is wait, the wait, son, wait, okay? wait, wait. Don't go. Don't go <laughs> into Tyler. You mean Fandango's younger brother, right? Yeah. Don't go I mean, into Tyler Breeze yet, because we'll, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about Tyler Breeze in a little bit. But I do got to say this: um, Adam Rose, his gimmick. I think going back to what Jay said, his Leo Kruger gimmick was tremendous, and I really thought if that would have came up to the main roster, it would have been a problem. Just because you got this guy, this crazy bounty hunter dude that's that's just a complete maniac and super vicious in the ring. Then you look at Adam Rose and he's like, yeah, I like to party. Yeah, it's like, all right. It, it doesn't. You're being a real woman right now. Take some LSD and get back to us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the only way I feel the gimmick. Not only that, but look at the look at his entrance in NXT. You know, there was more time. You had more fucking, mm-hmm. you know, you had more people on the Exotic Express. It was just badass. Well, on Raw and on television. I mean, television, on Raw, you only have three hours. Yeah, you, you, only, you have, only have three hours. You only have three hours, so you give him a oh, you right. give you give him an entrance with you know uh, three Bible salesmen, a guy with Encyclopedia Britannica, a couple of cosplayers, and a, and a, one of the rabbits you see on Forty Second Street during the holidays. So again, that, that guy is going to be CM Punk. Zack Ryder, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, you know Zack Ryder, whoever whoever's under there, Justin Gabriel. Who knows? Maybe maybe next week Tyson Kidd might be under there. But either way, I think it's CM Punk. Hey, that would be that would be tremendous. But at you know, Adam Rose is a gimmick. I think it's going to be something that live crowds can dig. But if they don't put a lot more behind him as a character, it's not going to be as effective in the long run. That's all I'm saying. Now, I mean, go ahead. Look on the bright side. They got rid of that shitty Rose pedal move. True. Oh well. That, well, I hate that shit. That bicycle shit that he does. That it's like, what are you doing? Oh, that's the rose petal. No, shut up. That's you fucking flinging your feet around looking like a jackass. Get out of here. Terrible fucking move. But, um, I want to talk, I want to talk tag team title match with the Ascension. And, uh, I'm going to flip it to Jay on this one. Uh, the Ascension. Are they ready for the main roster? They're real. And, you know, especially now with how they pretty much are gelling more and more per match. I mean, Although a lot of their matches are looking more squash like, right? But uh, even so, you could you can tell you can get a, a, a solid ten fifteen minutes out of these guys. And 
I, 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 I'm seeing the only problem with them is that I don't, I don't figure them to really get over once they get on the main roster or even able to draw it because I think the fans are already like pretty much going to be tired of that whole gimmick going over. They, they have to get really darker and really deeper. We already have the Wyatts, right. so they have to get really darker with that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take it to Quark on this one. Quark. How about that Ascension finisher, man? That fall of man. Pretty good. I, I just, I don't know. I expect an actual competition, not a squash. Well, a couple of things. Day. A couple of things with that. It's funny you say that. Callisto, uh, Samurai del Sol is a, a, a bona fide, uh, Rey Mysterio 2. This guy is, is begging to be, ha- you know, to have action figures and shit on, on shelves just because he has the look. Now, of course, El Local, Ricardo Rodriguez, a uh, lot of botches from him, which I'm surprised. There were a lot of botches in that match. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but, that fuck? Did you see him? Yeah, Rey Mysterio's got rocking, dude. Come on. Well, you know what's funny? Somebody said, somebody said that Super Crazy had a, has a, he is Super Crazy has a better physique <laughs> than Ricardo Rodriguez. So, uh, you know, that's, I, I, didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even notice Ricardo had any botches because he fucking ate them all. holy shit Jay what'd you think what'd you think of Ricardo Rodriguez going in there the surprising aspect is that he's actually a pretty good wrestler right we're all looking at this like you said out of shape guy and just figures like okay he has a tuxedo on he's a goof or whatever right when you put him in that gimmick and other matches (laughs) he looked pretty solid like the guy yeah I don't know I think, I think Everybody in that match. Everybody doesn't have the night. Everybody yeah. doesn't have the night that they should have. Yeah, well, well, you know what's funny? There were some botches even in some of the other matches. So I was like, wow, okay. But for, to see that match, I think that it was, and I've talked about this before, the contrast of styles. You got the big power guys. It's, it's like the Sinkara syndrome. You got the big power guys and then you got the guys that are bouncing from, from, you know, one, one side of the ring to the other in the blink of an eye. And these guys, it's just harder for them to gel, you know? Yeah, and then you look, you, you, it's, you, you're throwing them in this realm against the Ascension because you're trying to, you know, show the fans that, you know, hey, look, we got this new, uh, tag team that you guys are gonna really gonna like. Hey, we get masks and kooky hand signs and stuff like that. But if it was that they worked, you know, you know, day in, day out to get that match to work, it actually would have probably been a better match, but you could tell this was just like a thrown together match and let's get it going. I would have liked to have seen Samurai Del Sol and Sin Cara versus him and El Local, just because if you're bringing TV guys down to NXT, I think Sin Cara and and Samurai Del Sol would have probably had a more fluid match, just because um, you know Hunico is just a, a more well-rounded worker. Yeah, that's true, cool. and it would have been a first taste for everybody to get a real feel of what Luchadore what it's supposed to look like for those who haven't seen it. So that would, that would have probably made more sense. What about you, Quark? What do you, you were, you were about to say something. Oh, I was, saying, I was saying, uh, Hunico is highly underrated. The fact that he's not on XT is, is kind of weird to me as, as the Sinkara character. I mean, he barely gets any television time and when it is, when it is he's getting jobbed out. Right. So to Bo Dallas. So, I mean, I don't see why they just don't bring him down there. I mean, you could, you know, the one, the one rumor you're talking about, about Tyson Kidd, if they wanted to do that, where you must have like a little like luchador mini federation down there. I mean, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I, I have no. I agree with the, that. The, the thing with that is, if you bring too many people down, it's going to become like superstars, and that's not what it is. 
Right. You got to John. If you if you would have Sin, if you would have Sin Cara go down, like if you could do something where like um, Sin Cara is almost like a mentor to Callista. I mean, you could totally do it yeah. that way. Yeah, you and of course a good translator. Of course, and the mentor yeah, um, and the mentor well, always turns on the pupil. The mentor always turns on the pupil anyway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but they they have to really watch that because if they, if they just bring people down left and right, it's gonna lose the essence of what NXT is. Okay. Well. So let's let's get into the, the one of the big matches, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze. Um, I'll start off by saying that Tyler Breeze gimmick, it took some time to grow on me because the first time I saw that gimmick, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, that's a little, that's a little too Adrian Adonis, too Adrian Adonis for me, right, Jay Santi? Hey, listen, <laughs> he is working that blue steel, oh yeah, Lander thing going on. That's all that is. But yeah, it, it has the shade of Adrian Adonis. And um, he he actually actually really does change the opinion of people when you see him in the ring. He's yep. actually really good. He's everything that Fandango wishes he could be. Ooh, yep. I gotta say something like that live. Yikes. I gotta say that. Come on. Now, listen. Let, let let's not kid ourselves. Fandango comes out there. That motherfucker doesn't even try to dance anymore. He doesn't even try. <laughs> He just comes out and, and hard body. Yeah, he comes out. He comes out. He dances like I said, like John Lovitz and Mom and Dad Save the World. He comes out there. He does the truffle shuffle, and then he makes out with Layla. <laughs> it's not a bad job. Actually, Fuck, I, I wouldn't mind that. Hey, we actually, want you to go out. We want you to go out there and do the truffle shuffle. Ed Grimley dance. True, he does do an Ed Grimley. You're right. A little bit of Ed Grimley in there. That's a great reference, Jay. That should be your avatar for Throwback <laughs> Thursday next week. Um, thank you. Thank you. Seriously. <laughs> It's like, you know, you see that, and Tyler Breeze, he comes out, he's got his giant furry Ugg boots, he's got his, his cell phone at the ready, the guy the guy lives his gimmick, and then he gets the job done in the in the ring, and Sami Zayn, holy shit, there were some spots, I mean, there were a couple of botches, that blue thunderbomb, and that, that power bomb from Tyler Breeze out of the corner, holy shit. Quark, I'll take but I'll take it to you first. But but you know it was they they were botched and they were clear botches. Right. But what's good about what what Breeze did was that he actually was able to cover them up for the most part and make them right. seem as though like if he were trying to break out the hole or reverse them, right. which is which is a veteran move. Yep. So you got to give him that. This is true. I didn't even notice it to be honest. If it was a botch, I didn't notice. Well, I, I'll take it to Quark first because Quark is extolling the virtues of Tyler Breeze. Um, what'd you think of the match as a whole, man? I mean, Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn is Daniel Bryan 2.0, kid. He is yes movement. Uh, he's Ole, Ole, he's the Ole movement, kid. You gotta be, you gotta be ready. You know, let's, just say, let's just say the match was so good, my internet went out halfway through it. Get the fuck out of <laughs> here. You must have been pissed. Yo, listen, the <laughs> internet went out halfway through it, yet it was still better than any Roman Reigns match ever. Oh, shit. Oh, 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 the pipe bomb. 23 seconds in wrestling. You don't talk to him like that, all the, right? The pipe bomb. <laughs> the pipe bomb. So, so let, let, let me go to you. The hair. Let me, let me go to you, John Blade. So, Sami Zayn and, and Tyler Breeze, did, did it and, and be, be Match truthful. Match of the night. Match of the night more so than, than, le, than English Lego Loss and Tyson Kidd? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that, like the entire Sami Zayn Tyler Breeze fight, I was like on the edge of my seat. And with the whole, uh, I'll talk about it later. Like during uh, t- uh, Tyson Kidd and Neville, it was a lot of low points. 
but where okay. it breathes in vain. It just it was like nonstop full throttle action. All right. Jay, how do you feel about Tyler Breeze's finisher, man? I don't know how I feel. Um, yeah, it it's 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 it, it it's coming along. It, it, it you still like I guess you when you see it, you still got to get used to it. But you know, from what he used to have before, he used to have like some lane. You know, the super kick used to be his his other his other finisher. But uh, this one is coming along, and, and like I said, he. When he makes it, because he'll make it to the main roster. When he gets up there, I just hope they don't pair him up with some stupid lame tag team like with, like you said, with Fandango or something like that. Yep. That was just the Miz and the player. Oh. I tell you what, though. I, I, I will say this. Dolph Ziggler and Tyler Breeze would make an awesome tag team. Now, that's a good look right there. I can't front, man, because it's like, you know, Dolph Ziggler's the show-off. Tyler Breeze is, you know, Mr. Gorgeous. Dude, they come out. Nice little bit of music. You give him some arm candy. Nice little, nice little diva on the come up. Ah, oh, it would be, it would be, it will work. Yeah, that, 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 see, that's a, that's a logical pairing. <laughs> but knowing, uh, it would only make sense. Yeah, it would only make <laughs> sense. But knowing them, exactly, it would be like Q the Miz or Q Fandango or something ridiculous of that, of that magnitude. All right, I mean, so we could, could put them up with uh, Zach Ryder, and they could run the internet. Oh yeah, well, Zach. I, I always say I, I'd create a stable. Check this out: Adam Rose have a party boy stable. Adam Rose, Ryder, Hawkins, and the Miz. But like a legit, oh, that like, like a that legit like club stable. Total divas. Yeah, like a club stable. You know, dudes that like to go out and party and shit. You know, the Miz could be like the movie star dude. You know, Adam Rose yeah, but is just. They already a, have that. It's called bromance. Yeah, but WWE can. Let, let's be realistic. TNA can do something good. WWE can do something better. WWE can do it. something great. Like a, TNA can do it mediocre. Metro four horsemen. <laughs> the Metro Horsemen. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. The Bronies. The Bronies, kid. The, the Bronies. <laughs> Not the Four Horsemen, kid. The Bronies. <laughs> so. Let's let's uh switch gears. Let's talk about Mojo Rawley getting hype. He was he got so yes. he got so hype. Yes. He got so hype he buried himself. He got so hype he buried himself. And I and I'll take it to Enter uh, the <laughs> squash. Yes. Oh, it was it was terrible. You don't it's understand like, how much I can't stand this dude. Dude, it's like it's like Rusev. Rusev it's comes him out and Willow are like neck and neck oh, on Jesus. I can't stand you levels. Dude, Rusev comes out. Rusev is like Rusev Udria, Rusev Bachka. It's like Rusev Turkey Sandwich, Rusev Coleslaw. It's like it's, it's like yo, Mojo Rawley's like, look, I got this flag. As soon as the dude comes out with the flag, I'm like, you're gonna get that flag shoved so far up your ass in about five seconds. Zach Zach Ryder was the first. Mojo Rawley's the second. I think every week a dude should come out with a flag, and it just drives. Um, Rusev crazy, and he has to come out and kill them. <laughs> that's it. That's the gimmick. Michael Rawlings looks like Michael Rappaport on the juice. True, he is. He is Michael Rappaport on the juice. I'll um, <laughs> I'll take it to Quark because I know Quark is probably looking at it as a very worthy segment of Quark. He is. Um, let. What do you think? Zip zap zilly, dude. I <laughs> I saw him. I was like this guy. Like right when I saw him, like this dude. Will be in TNA in a year. Oh, oh shit! Gone. Be, Damn. Look, if he's lucky, 
If he's lucky. <laughs> the thing I noticed is that, like, if Rusev was a bull, the American flag would be the color red. But yep. he just goes fucking nuts. He just charged. I'm shocked he didn't charge that fucker through the Titantron, the Minitron on the Oh, like the Rhino. Like I think Rhino he did. beat him up in the back and then beat him up while he was taking a shit. <laughs> That's how much he wanted to keep kicking his ass. So, I would have applauded each time he did it. All right. Well, I'll say I'll say this, and and, I, and I'll take I'll throw it to John on this one first. If you take Lana away from Rusev, is Rusev still interesting? No. Okay. If you if you, t- if you don't have if even not even Lana, if you don't have anyone there for him, and you just have a big behemoth just going around acting crazy, he needs the mouthpiece, and it just so happens to be Lana, which is great. So I'm, I personally just like Lana. Well, who doesn't have that mouthpiece from? He's useless. Wait, you personally like Lana, or you like sexually like Lana? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Mostly the latter. (laughs) Making sure. (laughs) Mostly the latter. Slick says. Slick says. Rusev. Slick says. Rusev isn't interesting with Lana. Capital with. (laughs) The thing about Rusev, he's still in the early stages. He's he's still going through the job. He's still swallowing dudes left and right. Once he gets. He needs one good feud that'll make him. He could be the best villain WWE has. Well, you know what it is? He needs one good feud once he establishes himself. Like I like I said last week, if you have him go against Big E and he and, and Big E loses, it hurts Big E. But yet if Big E beats Rusev, it hurts him too. So it's like, who do you put him in a feud with that if they lose, it won't look so shitty? And I'll, and I'll toss it to Quark first. If you had to put him in a oh, feud if you were on. booking... <laughs> the nation. The nation. Get out of here. The okay, nation. Wait, I got it. All I, got, right. I got I got you. I got you. Okay, listen, listen. So you got Rusev and Big E are duking it out. They're duking it out, duking it out. And all of a sudden, they're having like a 5 serve match. And the exotic expression comes out and ruins it. They don't even attack anybody. But the the the, code, the, the ref calls disqualification due to interference. So Rusev and Big E are pissed because they can't finish this battle. So they, they unite for one night only to defeat the exotic express. You're welcome. <laughs> well, all I right. Watch it. I watch it. Jay, where do where do you stand? Who 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 can Rusev feud with that won't hurt either guy? Throw him in there for like a month and a half against Big Show, and let him just do ridiculous <laughs> t- uh, test of strengths with. Also, if you want to just to be hokey and just say, "Oh, let's bring back the whole strong man thing again." Uh, throw him in there with Ryback. Ryback seems to want to just mess around and be squashed by anybody. He doesn't care. I tell you this. I say Rusev, Mark Henry, that's the feud right there. And best part of that is it would complete the complete assault on African-Americans that Rusev has been doing. (laughs) Thus being the catalyst for Mark Henry to bring the nation together. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that'd be ridiculous. Cranberry Kid says Brock Lesnar and Rusev. It's like, my client. It's like Paul Heyman would suck the air out of that room immediately. Like Paul Heyman would have to speak for both guys because Lana wouldn't even be a factor. (laughs) It would be like my client and your client are going to wrestle. My client's going to fuck up your client, but your client's kind of dangerous. It'd just be Paul Heyman <laughs> talking to Paul Heyman for 10 minutes. And it would still sell. It would. I'm just waiting for that moment when Rusev becomes that vulnerable guy. <laughs> like, 
uh, the Kozlov, all of a sudden he was the maul, the mauler, and then all of a sudden, Kozlov. oh, Triple H beat him, and now everybody can kick his ass. That's it. I was just waiting for that moment for Rusev. I was like, oh, squash in two minutes. I, I can't wait for that shit. Rusev's kryptonite is the shovel, kid. I know Quark is ready. He's just waiting for the opportunity exactly. to drop that dirt on him. You can get a good, like, foreign nations faction have him beat a muscle. True. Not you can do that. Yeah. I... I I've actually got a, a decent idea. Like, I think what would be a good idea is if they had Cesaro versus him. You have Cesaro just be that guy who finally takes him out after, like, months and just build up. Okay. I think that might be a good idea. I, would, I wouldn't mind that, but, you know, going on the idea of, like, the foreign, the foreign guys, it, it, that'd, be a, that'd be a cool little faction, too. Cesaro, Rusev, Lana, like, a, like an international four horsemen. I could yeah. I could definitely rock with that. You bring it. You bring in. You call up Adrian Neville, Neville, Rusev, and Cesaro. Heyman is your mouthpiece, like uh, JJ Dillon, and Lana's your uh, Lana plays the part alongside Mongo, which is Rusev. Terrible idea. Terrible <laughs> idea. The thing you were saying earlier, if you put him like in a decent rivalry with someone, not even a rivalry, a match. With a with a, someone like Cesaro who's established himself a little bit, if the match is good enough and you have Rusev lose, it really probably wouldn't hurt him too much. Okay, if so, it's a decent match against a, a an established wrestler. So well, I the see. one that I'm really looking it. I'm looking for him, that, which will be the logical right now because the clock is ticking. We got to put a belt on this guy soon enough to make him look like the powerhouse. Right. So belt, I'm like praying to the wrestling gods. That they put him in an angle with Sheamus and they kick Sheamus' <laughs> ass. Hey, Sheamus. And finally turn that man heel. Hey, I wouldn't mind that. Rusev and Sheamus would be a pretty solid match. I think, hey, fella, you like to fight? You got a little bird with you over there talking for you. You know, <laughs> like, what the fuck? All of a sudden, just Sheamus getting his ass beat. He's just a, he's just a body full of bruises. I could live with that. Why is it that Sheamus always looks like reverse Amistad? Every time you see him, he's all scarred up, beat up. It's like, yo, what the fuck is happening to you? I understand you're pale as shit, but is Casper whooping your ass? Like, what's going on? Is Wednesday Adams beating Sincara, you? Sincara got to him again. Sincara got when, to him again. When are they going to stop dedicating their matches to uh, fucking Putin? That's my question. Well, you got to. How you, long is that lasting? Well, here's here's the thing with the Putin. The 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 thing with that is that Vince Vince always thinks ten ten years back. With regards to his to his uh, characters, so you know try you gotta try, like, try forty. You, you, you know the international bad guy is always good. I mean, uh, if the guy was from the Ukraine, it would be even better. But it's like, all right, oh, you're from Belarus, you're gonna be a Putin supporter. But but Vince, Belarus isn't part of Russia. Damn it, put Putin on the screen. Just him, just him <laughs> screaming at them. It's like, but Putin, you know, avocado face got nothing to do with it. Damn it! Put him up there. It's like you know, it doesn't make any sense. Putin, Putin, that picture. It could have been anybody. Yeah, it, it could have been, been Tom Ford. He could have just been like <laughs> any. It'd have been anybody. That's it. Rob Ford supports. Rob Ford is doing coke with Rusev. That uh, dude. <laughs> as soon as you find some villain or whatever it is, Vince McMahon will always find a way to bring that into an angle. It's it, you know not as bad as TNA with the elevator fight. With Dixie Carter after the Jay Z and, and and Solange thing, but Vince always he thinks back to like real old school, just terrible shit. Like we're gonna have this Russian guy with the flag, and people are gonna boo him because you know America. And the thing that gets me is that people are booing him, 
And it's like, you do realize that like the chick went to like Florida State. Just because she comes out and talks another language, it's like it's preying on the on the base nature and the and the undercover racism that so many of us perpetuate. It's like when people come out and and you know Zeb Coulter says some real hardcore racist shit, and, it's just, and everybody's like, "We the people," and it's like, "Yo, half of you guys really believe that shit." It's you could have a Donald like funding is- Rusev to beat up all the blacks. <laughs> yeah, Vince is like, you're going to go out there and you're going to make all the black wrestlers humble. I'm tired of their jive talking backstage. <laughs> and is it me or is it like Vince pushing Lana out there week by week and just saying, you're going to make this skirt shorter. You're going to need two hairdos to be going out there, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, dude, I think I think Vince she goes out there. One time, the whole front row is going to start smiling. Dude, you know what I like? That she does the <laughs> she does the quarter turn like if she's standing on one of those pedestals inside a Savarsky, a Savarsky store where they spin around the little glass figurines. She does the perfect <laughs> spin, dude. It's like when you put a character in Disney Infinity and it spins around to show you the character. That's Lana. She comes out, she does the perfect fucking spin. Everybody's like, what? What's happening right now? And then all of a sudden, Rusev ham sandwich, Rusev tropical fantasy soda. And then he just comes and out Rusev and he just... Hit and Rusev smash That's Lana. it. That's Eight, it. Eight-year-olds are growing mustaches and beards. Their voice oh, are getting crazy. even. Who's that lady? And yeah, exactly. They all freaking having erections and everybody's like, oh daddy look out oh you know you know that the, that the that as soon as she comes out the dads are like oh let me just catch this match real quick and you see the wife just slap a motherfucker in the back of his head <laughs> but what are you doing but 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 i'm sitting down with 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 with, with little jimmy and watching this match get the fuck out of here what's wrong with you seriously it's like it's like she came out she did the little quarter turn everybody at nxt got quiet and then all of a sudden you know rusev bacardi and coke Rusev Clamato, <laughs> and that nigga came out, and I was just like, "What the fuck happened? What happened?" It, it was just like, and and Mojo Mojo Raleigh fucking, ugh. I don't get hype. I stay hype. You stay buried Not tonight. You stay Not buried. Tonight. That's what you stay. All right. So I saw that the chat room came to a complete screeching halt when Paige came out. Um, I just, I just, I, I, I clicked on as I was eating dinner and I look over and it's just like Paige came out and I look at the chat. It's just like, well, all right. And then when I was watching, I'm like, I see why <laughs> I see Listen, what happened there. I love Paige. I, I, I love her ring work. You know, if there's any chance that, you know, I, I, I can see her face up and, you know, probably smell her butt. I would, but <laughs> The the mic work just to stop. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. It seems like she's conflicting between two accents. Like Oi. she wants to sound British, then she doesn't want to sound British. Oi, poi and chips. That's why I always get when she speaks. Who doesn't want poi and chips? It's poi and chips for free. <laughs> That's all I think of. It's like okay, <laughs> there she is. It's like yo, how do you have a thicker accent than than Bubblehead than the than than Nazi dance? Than Emma does, and if but you know if you would just let if she would just talk and just be not the 
wrestler and just be natural with it and just, you know, act like the, you know, the, the drunk girl from, you know, her sorority. You know, she'll be fine. She's the, she's the anti-diva. She actually has to try. Well, yeah, you know what? Actually, exactly. It's just ridiculous. Well, you know what it is? They should just, I, I'm sure that they probably say, you know, Paige, you need to go out there and be less British. You want me to go out there and be less British? It's like, yeah, because nobody knows what the fuck you're saying. Who you want me to go out? It's like watching Shaun of the Dead on on super low volume, and you're trying to make out what they're saying. It's like, it's okay. Let her have the accent. It sets her apart from every other blonde fucking diva on the roster. It's all good. So you got to go to Tom Hardy's uh, speaking coach or something. <laughs> but the speaking coach from... Dark Knight, that's what she has to go to. Oh, the Divas title gives you power over me, doesn't it? That's what's going to happen. She's going to cut her promos like that. God. I'm ready for my match with Natalia. <laughs> Seriously, it's like you know, you're over here saying she should go and, and deal with Tom Hardy's. Uh, oh, my God. It's just she's going to come out there. Victory has made you weak. I'm like, ugh. Just, she hey, just come. Look at you over there. <laughs> You want this belt? Oh my God! It would be god awful. And, and put the and put the mask on her. That would even be cooler. Oh, <laughs> there you go. She grabs the mic. She's like, "Give her the fur coat you feel to come in charge every week." <laughs> That's it. Just Alicia hurt. Fox, you seem blinded by the darkness. <laughs> I was molded I by it. <laughs> I've been pale while you were still a child. <laughs> I did the light. I give this belt to you. <laughs> the people. No, but seriously, um, we 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 could do this all night. Let's um, let's talk about this women's championship match with uh, Ric Flair with boobs and uh, the Anvil with boobs, and um, they squared off. It was a tremendous match. It was amazing. I think Charlotte's uh, music with the little Ric Flair undertones was very badass. Uh, I like that. I thought the match was. Probably one of the best Divas matches I've seen in the last All couple year. of months. And it was Ever <laughs> All right. Well, since you were since you were so so opinionated about it, we'll we'll take it to you first. Uh what'd you think, Quark? Holy fuck. Wow. It, it, it was, was incredible. Uh Natalia killed it. Uh sure it looked like a dude, but hey whatever, it's all good. <laughs> um they kicked a bunch of ass. At the end of it, there's a lot of ass, there was a lot of storytelling and emotion for everyone except Bret Hart because he was cutting a fucking paycheck and still mad about that goddamn ladder match from like 30 years ago. But <laughs> hey, whatever. What are you going to do? It's like, yo, Bret, why are you mad? Why are you so mad? Always. Dude, I've never seen, uh, like, uh, you know Bret is, like, so unbelievably rich. And he just, like, I guess he's still recovering from that stroke that fucking Goldberg gave him, Bill Goldberg. <laughs> but I don't know. He just always looks sad. Like, he's just upset like did he kill ultimate warrior or something does he have survivor's guilt he reminds, me of that, he reminds me of that indian we used to see back in the days with the oh with the one tier commercial oh the tier indian yes yes jay awesome reference <laughs> fantastic john what about you um uh, i thought the match was good besides uh sammy zane i put that match over the tyson kid adrian neville match the match is just really good, really fun to watch. Okay. Well, with that said, let's talk Tyson Kidd, Adrian Neville. Um, I'll take it to Jay first. A uh, lot of crazy spots in that match. Holy shit with Tyson Kidd. What'd you think? Yeah, as everybody would know, that would be known as a spot monkey match. Yep. <laughs> but they were actually done well. 
and um, it actually was. It, it came across. It, it could have been a little bit neater, but you know, because you want to you want to see that Tyson kid more drive and more you know aggressive and all. But uh, something that could have been a match of the night just fell short. Uh, wow. Okay. But especially when you know what was going to be the outcome, you know, Tyson Kidd wasn't winning. It was never happen. <laughs> well, you know, I thought for a second, oh, shit, they're going to put the belt on Tyson Kidd and Neville's going to get the call-up. No, they're not ready to do that yet. I mean, no. they still got to stretch that one out. And, you know, I, what I did like out of the whole match was the end on how, you know, he left the ring, he gave the, the subtle bump. You know, that was actually pretty cool. But other than that, um, it was it was okay. I could it could have been better. And by the way, Charlotte, they did a from the previous match. They did a comparison for what she looked like in 2011 to yep. 2013. Jesus Christ, what a transformation her face made. Yeah, well, that's what that's what happens when you when you got <laughs> not for the good. Do some squats hey. on her face. Hey, it, 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 not not every chick can can pull off looking like somebody farted on the her nose so easily. But um, again, <laughs> again, you know, it takes a lot of effort to do that. You know, when your dad is the 16-time champion and he leg drops a jacket before creating you, things are bound to get fucked up. You know, that Ric Flair always seems to want to get naked as soon as something good happens. Uh, because you know, he Rick... got the pen, he's ripping his blaze off. It's like Jesus, Rick, calm down, get him a drink. It's it's like yo, Ric Flair probably takes a hit of coke. Before he goes out there, he's probably like, he's probably like, whoa! They just goes out there super hype, probably just runs around the ring like 19 times. They're like, yo, is anybody going to tell Rick that he shouldn't do coke before the broadcast? Fuck you. I'm not telling him. Yeah, he's doing all that. He's running around the ring. He's doing push-ups and all that. And there's not an audience member in the crowd. Nope. He's like, Rick, calm down. Get the leash. Get the leash. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Ric Flair has a ladder match by himself before NXT TakeOver yeah. starts. Just Ric Flair doing a... On the top of the ladder that he has to reach. He's reaching for that eight ball. Oh, uh, Ric Flair's doing like a 630 off the ladder. Like, whoa, look at this shit. Adrian Neville, eat your heart out. Just him just doing crazy shit before the card even starts. All of a sudden, you know, the high wears off and he just comes out. And, she and you know, Charlotte's probably like, Dad, don't make me look like a fucking asshole out there. Because she probably looks... Triple H is in a... Triple H is in a gorilla position going, there goes Rick wrestling naked again. Yep. But you know what's funny? <laughs> Looking at Charlotte when she made him do like that shot, that, that sachet shit that she does, I said Ric Flair just died inside as soon as he did that. He's like, what is my, like, he, you could see he's like the dad that the daughter makes him do whatever she needs him to do. And it's probably Rick like, is just looking, he's like, looking at the, he's looking at the crystal ball going, who the hell thought that I would be passing over this? greatness of myself to my child who has a vagina yep like who would have thought this <laughs> whose name wait a minute wait a minute to my child who has a vagina whose name isn't david oh <laughs> let's let's be real let's Man, be real it's like it's like it's like yo how is it that if i were david flair i'd be sitting in a rubber room just laughing to myself with a picture of stacy keebler from the wcw days just staring at it because it's like dude your sister went out there and just killed it. You fucking you 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 jobbed out to like David Arquette. You know what I mean? Like you were you were after birth. Like when greatness was being pushed out of Ric Flair's wife's vagina, it was the late Reed Flair, Charlotte, oh. 
And then David Flair was, you know, what was left over. He was like, a, they, they tried to throw it out when then they realized it was a kid. They're like, oh, shit, that's a kid. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you know? I'm going to tell you right now. The way David wow. looks, he looks as though he's been shot by Rick Grimes already three times in four seasons. I don't know what happened. So, I'm like, yo, really? Has, the, has life been that hard? Dead look. He 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 always looks like he always looks he looks like droopy dog. Every time I look at him, I'm like, yo, dude, like really, why why are you so sad? I understand, dude, but it's okay. Just a big droopy dog looking motherfucker. But either way, him, him and Bret Hart hung out a lot. Yeah, but Bret Hart has the stroke to blame. <laughs> you know what is David Flair's excuse? What's David Flair's excuse? It's like I understand, you know, your sister and 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 your deceased brother made it and you didn't. Sucks, but hey. There's always selling cars or glory holes. <laughs> One of the two. There's nothing wrong with a portable glory hole. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but um all right, so of course, you know, the 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 elf that gravity forgot uh retained his title and um I'm sorry, but that motherfucker's ears are huge. So every time I look at him, I see I see a hobbit, I see an elf. I'm like, "Yo, just dye his hair white, put him in Lord of the Rings with a little bow and arrow. He'd be all right." You know, it's weird because this is. He reminds me of one of the characters from Gargoyles. Like if he's Brooklyn or one of them. Oh shit, he does. He does look like one of the Gargoyles characters when they did become human. He does. He does indeed. It's like, yo, where is Aliza Maza and Goliath? Shouldn't Goliath be coming out with you? Yo, I, I figured it out. Goliath was that Jack was bootleg Batista. That's who he looked like. That was him. I, it, th- that guy hasn't even been gone a week, and I forgot what his fucking name was. <laughs> Mason Ryan. Na- there you go. Mason Ro- Mason Ryan is Goliath, and um, Adrian Neville is Brooklyn or Queens or whatever fucking borough they want to make him. The Lexington. That's Broadway. it. Seriously. Why do I know this? <laughs> That's terrible, dude. That is so bad, but it's great. It's so great. But overall, the WWE TakeOver was tremendous. Um, I want to just go through Raw and some of the other wrestling stuff if you guys want to stick around. Um, Overall, like I said, NXT in two hours entertained me more than Raw did in three. Am I right for saying that? The pass Raw? Yes. That pass Raw was was a shame. That was the least interesting Raw I'd seen in a while. It's like, could, you couldn't pay me to care about the Raw. Well, you, they're not paying you because you got the network. So they already got your money. <laughs> we got to call a spade a spade. I honestly think that's it. Like, that we got their money. We don't have to try, guys. So, well, go, let, let's go right into Monday Night Raw. First off, I know, I know Quark is shedding a tear because his boy B-Money, Brad Maddox, got fired. On, but here's the thing. Stephanie McMahon tries so hard to get her year fired over that it just looks terrible. It's like, yo, you don't, you don't have the grapefruits, Stephanie. You don't have the grapefruits like the genetic jackhammer Vince McMahon. Doesn't work the same. She's, she's got to do something better, like you're terminated or there's the door or scram. I like scram. Scram's a good one. Let's bring it back. Scram, you're out of here, kid. Hit the bricks. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Hit the bricks. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, yo, her trying to fire somebody, I'd laugh in her face. I'd be like, really? Am I really fired? Like, maybe you should have you your dad fire me. Out pink slips. It's like, yo, you should have pink your dad fire paper. me just because. 
Just slide them into dude's trunks. It's a pink piece of paper. Yo, she don't say anything. She fires a dude, and a dude calls the next day and asks Vince if he's still fired. <laughs> She'll be like, "You're fired," and the guy will be like, "Hello, Vince. Yeah, who is this? Mason Ryan. You're fired. Thank you, Vince. Click." <laughs> like, he's, still, he's still like looking out the window, like peeping out. I know they're gonna come and tell me that that was a gimmick, right? Yep. Hello? <laughs> Y'all were just playing right now, nah, kid. Nah. You're gone. But um, yeah, it was weird because it's like Brad Maddox got fired, and I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it to Quark. You know you want Brad Maddox to become a face and wrestle. I know you do. Dude, Brad Maddox is gonna defeat Rusev. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Dude, kick punch. He's activating beef mode. And no, no, I got. He's actually going to NXT and defeat Adrian. Never going to Raw. Oh shit. Brad Maddox, NXT. I think he's fucking lame. You don't, you don't, wow, you don't like Adrian Neville, man? The, the elf that Gravity forgot? Dude, yo, Why he's not? The guy, he's the guy that Gravity forgot, and so did I. <laughs> oh, shit. But it's, it, I feel bad for Brad Maddox, and I'll tell you why. This is, the, he was the most non-involved general manager ever. It's like, why bother even putting one? If Triple H is just going to come out every week and just be like, yeah, fuck what you said. I'm the boss. Doesn't matter. He's like, oh, the shield. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 was, that was kind of the point when Brad Max, like, began, I, I guess. Like, that was his gimmick, that he was just useless. Yeah, he was I useless. B-Money, your boy. I mean, it was funny. Like, they hired him to be, like, a joke GM to, like, piss off the audience. Right. But it didn't really work. If they want to piss off the audience, they want to hire my boy Johnny Ace back. But a boy can dream. John Laurinaitis. People, people power. Dude, John Laurinaitis, I, I've watched three plays of John Laurinaitis, dude. I don't give a fuck. He was a great GM. He was a great heel. Dude, when he and, came you know, out. Sadly, Brad Max never reached that level. When he came out in that brother love all white suit, I died inside because I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. The, pe- dude, the peppermint suit of John Laurinaitis <laughs> was God. Like, like that, his character, dude, was so horribly great. Like, you went to his office, had like, had like a people power poster. His yep. peppermint suit was under a display case. It was amazing. Like, <laughs> And I didn't even think Brad Maddox had a suit. I think he 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 lived in the fucking boiler room with mankind. No, you know you know what Brad Maddox did? He got all the stuff that didn't fit the Miz anymore. Medium vests, <laughs> tight ass shirts. Yo, those pants he wore Monday night. I was like, yo, dude, like did the you leggings. like did you take your nuts out and put them in a jar? Because I yo I I'm like damn I'm like I'm like I like my legs aren't exactly small. Got big ass fucking legs, and I'm like yo, how does that even work? How do you put them on? Like, do you jump into them? I mean, like, do you? He had matching wardrobe. Oh, it was it was terrible, dude. He was just shopping in the Miz's prize closet. Just, I felt I felt bad, but it's just like Kane came out, killed him dead. Brad Maddox goes to NXT. Maybe they'll put him under a mask too. Like I said, Army of Sin Cara's is still a good gimmick. Brad Maddox Sin Cara, <laughs> you know, Adrian Listen, Neville Sin Cara. I don't Sinkara. appreciate the way you guys are bashing Baby Bischoff. Okay, you know that guy was over. Damn it, he was over. <laughs> He was, but he 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 also they were doing. Here's the funny thing: they're gonna probably make Hogan the GM, and it's gonna be every week. You know what, dudes? Tonight's main event, oh, brother, no. is gonna be blah. Because they they did a poll on WWE.com about it, and it was just like, oh yeah, the majority of the votes were for Hogan to be GM. Uh, apparently, they weren't watching TNA. Slick says Brad Maddox can put on a mask and beat Sin Huevos. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, Slick. Bra fucking Bo. Very nice. All right. So 
RVD and Cesaro squared off in a match that I feel I've seen way too many times, but, you know, it, it's just RVD was a bit more motivated tonight. I'm really not liking this Cesaro German suplex finisher. Uh, Jay, what do what, you think? No, 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 this, 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 I, what, a, what, a, the only thing that I'm really starting to get a feel for with Cesaro now is that now he does this thing where he's shaking the guy's hand after he, he squashes the hell out of them. You're welcome. I think that is utterly hilarious. Yep. But, what, don't, don't, don't why fix something that isn't broken? Leave it. I agree. I agree 10,000%, but it's just like the match just, I was, I was done. I was super done. I was like, "All right, guys, come on. This is this is just sad." But um, I'll t- I'll toss it to Quark. Quark, are you are you okay with that German suplex finisher? Because I personally am a fan of the M Bison uh European uppercut off the ropes. That shit is just disgusting. I hate I hate to cut you off, but in case you didn't see the raw ratings, no one watched that shit this week. <laughs> so uh, I was probably Damn. like dozing during that match. I didn't. Damn, know dude. Sorry. Well, there you go, John. It's it's not the worst finisher I've ever seen. Like, he doesn't need it, and it, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I'll leave it at that. So it's silly. So, but the next match, um, I'm gonna switch to a, a very special graphic to talk about this match. So, um, you guys will understand in a moment. Who is this? Is it? Who are we talking about this evening? Is it Summer? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Let's let's talk about yeah. Chrissy Hen and and Eva Marie's <laughs> clusterfuck of a match. I've seen better matches between armless and legless torsos. It was it was it was awful. My micro wrestling it, it's like besides the fact uh Fandumbo comes out and you know he makes out with Layla who distracts the bird who in turn gets the roll gets rolled up by by the by the other red-headed chicken. And um, hilarity ensues. So, um, yeah. And I'm going to toss it to Jay first. Uh, what would you think? I would have rather seen two tampon strings come out of Eva Marie's uh, trunks than that horrible match. It was ridiculous. Ew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, that's your stock WWE Divas match, though. I honestly, I, I, I've come not to get my expectations high when it comes to their matches. You know what? I, what it's total divas. It already took a crumbling division and just sunk it into the ground. I think, I think that um, next time she has an issue with Fandango, she's going to have to deploy that. <laughs> just, just, just the rolling pin to the head. <laughs> just, just the rolling pin. <laughs> This giant Camilla-looking bird. Hit him with a rolling pin and then drag him away by his hair. It's like, it's like, listen. And you know what the best part is? She's always, like, uh, tweaking her lips and playing with her hair. And it's like, I hate to break it to you. You're not hot. You're okay. You're like the chick that gets picked up at... You're like the chick that gets picked up at Urban Outfitters. You know? You you work in Urban Outfitters and a dude comes in and you're kind of nice to the dude and the dude's trying to smash and you know may, maybe maybe you guys will date maybe you guys will meet up at some hipster coffee bar and talk about a, global warming. She's a solid five with a couple of shots of Jack, maybe a six. Wow, <laughs> tough, tough, tough talk. I will um you know Quark and Blade are are college gentlemen and as such they see 
numerous types of ladies. So with that said, looking at Prissy Hen on a consistent basis, do you got hotter college girls in college? Um, yes. Okay. Well, I, I mean, even if the summer rain is hot, I mean, she would never get, like, be able to reach me because her nose would just, like, put my eyeball out before <laughs> I get to, like, get down and dirty. Yeah, You know, obviously, I'm, I'm, obviously, I'd be able to get with Summer Ray, obviously. Yeah, because you'd have a bag of bird seed at the ready. <laughs> I, got, I just got to build a little birdhouse outside of my dorm, dude. Just fly it. right in. She'll I just, fly. Wear, I just wear my giant rooster costume. That's it. And then, you know, we go from that clusterfuck to Drew McIntyre doing the J-O-B to a tiny guy in a bull costume. At that point, I said, am I watching a Raw before a pay-per-view? Is this really happening? I really I, I really wonder if he looks at himself in the mirror and just has tears rolling down his face saying, <laughs> what the fuck happened to me? Well, I was the chosen one. <laughs> I had the cool entrance music. Yep. I was once a championship holder. What the fuck did I let Dusty talk me into? Well, the funny thing is, Slick says that, um, and I didn't notice this till I switched the graphic back, that um, Summer Rae is hot compare, compared to Ric Flair's daughter. Ooh. Oh, easily, yeah, easily, easily. But that's, 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 you know, that's like a four going up against a five. That's not really like, you know, <laughs> not really a, it's not really a race there. The eternal question forever be raised. What is worse, Summer Rae's nose or Charlotte's no ass? Charlotte's penis. Oh. <laughs> That's horrifying. You know, I don't. I, you know what's is it, funny? Is it Tony's upper nose or Charlotte's lower nose? <laughs> Charlotte's Charlotte's lower beak. Summer Ray's upper beak. Film at eleven. A human horn, dude. Dude, it's a third testicle. Well, you know, it's weird. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little, we're getting, we're getting into real crazy territory. So let's just move on. Um, Zack Ryder came out and reminded us that it's Memorial Day. And, um, thank you, Zach. Yeah. It's like, thanks, Zach. And then we reminded that Mother Russia will rise again. <laughs> Zack Ryder comes out. He's like, Hey guys, it's Memorial Day. Let's celebrate our troops. And then, well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. It it was after it, the Cold War. That's it. It was it was pretty much winter is coming, and Rusev was the White Walkers because it was it was a solid ass whooping. It's like, hi, allow me to insert my foot into your back. Would you like a Long Island iced tea with your sandwich, Rusev Udria, <laughs> Rusev Koslaw? It was it was it was an ass whooping and a half, and then it's like. Stephanie McMahon having a conversation. It went from ass whooping to Stephanie McMahon talking with Alberto Del Rio about tacos backstage. So, you know, the only, the only thing that redeemed that, that entire early, earlier segment of Raw was the Rose Brothers and Randy Orton and Batista because they let Cody talk and he called <laughs> Batista a skinny jean sellout, which was fantastic. RK blows. And RK blows. And I liked it because Triple H was like, it's all right, Big Dave. You got big legs. Like that just put it over the top because Triple H was legit co-signing for his man. Like, yo, your pants were snug as shit, but it's okay because your did legs you really are big. You got big legs, Big Dave. Yep, yes, he, he did. He did. Yep. Absolutely did. That's a commercial. 
Yep. And, and you know, you know, it's crazy because you know that's the shit that they're talking backstage. And yep. like, somebody what? better say that shit in the live TV. If somebody don't call Dave on his pants, I will. But you know what was funny? When he said it, they all laughed. The chuckle on Ra- on Randall's face. I was like, wow, that's the most charisma you've shown in the last hour. It was fucking that priceless. Was, he he won fifty dollars in the locker room because I know somebody better than to say that shit. Yep, you know somebody <laughs> did. Like, yo, you got to cut a promo and you got to talk about Batista's tight ass pants. All right. Well, you know what always bothers me? He wrestles in in two hundred and fifty dollars Jordans, and it's like, dude, you trying to tell us that you got it like that because you got killed by Riddick, and you then you act that you, you play you play third string to a CGI raccoon and a talking tree. Let's let's Still be. This is what you always said, that that's the Batista needs to come out. Yep. Like, that Batista, the arrogant yep. prick. Let him come out to the ring. Hollywood like, Batista. You see, exactly, the Hollywood yep. Batista. Let him come out. You see what I wrestle in? Yep. I wrestle in $250 Jordans. That's right. None of y'all could do that. But be that's like, you that's exactly that. it. That would be awesome. Yeah, but instead we just get Batista. Yo, how is Batista going so bald that his bald spot looks like a yarmulke? Apparently in his hair is going from the top to his face. Yeah, it's like... So he's it's the like, only guy that knows how to, like, mutate it to another direction. It's like, it's like the dude's <laughs> the dude's injecting HGH into his face because it's like, yo, how how does you, how'd your face hit puberty and, you, and your head is, like, 60 years old? It's like, what happened? It's like, it's like all of a sudden he has this giant, robust beard. It's like, yo, really, dude? Like, like what happened? Beard Tista is in the building. It's like, dude, shave and, off that hair because you look fucking stupid. And that literally happened in three days because on Raw, his <laughs> face was clean. Then on SmackDown, he had the lumberjack. How the hell did he do that? He probably went home. He probably went home and realized that that's the only way that they would take him seriously with the skinny jeans if he had a beard. Then he could look like the guys we see in, you know, in Brooklyn and in the, and in the village. You know, like everybody just said, listen. Batista, you're already a heel. Grow the beard and grow it fast, because yep. you already know that's what gets over. Heels with beards. Well, you know and what? Shave the head. Oh, uh, he has Get to that sh- shit out of here. dude. That 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 bald spot. I'm like, yo, d- d- did nobody tell him like, yo, Clippers ASAP zero? Because I, I I'm looking at him and I'm like, dude, that that's just not cool. It it, it almost it almost looked like you know like I, I, here's here's a good one. How did Gold Dust look younger than Batista? How's that possible? I'll tell you. Two words. Lazarus Pit. That's all I'm talking about. <laughs> there you go. Well, going from that, which was a great buildup and a pretty solid match, we go to Bo Dallas and making people Bo leave in a Sin Cara squash. Oh, Quark. Of, and, 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 Quark, and, Quark I believe. Oh, Quark. Here, here we go. Not only did he get, the, not only does he use Trish Stratus's finisher, might I add. But the fact that he wears tidy whities to wrestle and he, and he doesn't do crunches isn't doing him any favors. I'm like, uh, and he Tebow's, which was great. I'm like, yo, he's Tebow and that's pretty um, awesome. But it's like, he's been, he's been eating the Taco Bell breakfast menu. Like, what's up with that? Yo, I'm sorry he does the move better than Tristratus. I'm sorry he Tebow's better than the man himself. And I'm sorry you can't pull up tidy whities like him. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Uh, it, it was, you don't believe in a fitness membership. Yeah, you know what he needs to believe in a crunch membership. That motherfucker needs he needs to believe in teeth whitening. And he looks sick. He needs he to came bo- up to the main roster. I said someone has been on the buffet at Golden Corral. Dude, somebody he needs to believe in teeth whitening. 
Because that motherfucker's teeth are yellow like the NXT logo. I can't watch that shit in he HD. He wasn't for NXT. He was just trying to represent. I can even mad him. Are they going to turn black to represent Raw now? Uh, yeah, he will black and red, dude. He'll paint himself like the druid. <laughs> He'll paint but like got, the people are going to get so black, they start bleeding. You know, I'm repping. You gotta give it to him, though. That gimmick is gonna be draw so much heat. I mean, I, 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 I love to hate him. Yeah, exactly. I love to hate him. I'm annoyed, but I gotta listen to him. I have to. It's Tim Tebow, I'm though. It's Tim Tebow. That's, again, Vince McMahon thinking a couple of months back. <laughs> He's like, you're going you're gonna to come out there. Uh, but Vince, why can't I just join the Wyatt family with Bray? No, you're going to be a Tebow. A what? No, but a Tebow. If, if you guys didn't see it, the, his last NXT uh, appearance when he was when he was kicked off the show, and when he was mm-hmm. throwing everyone, he was telling the crowd to leave his house. Oh, that was I awesome. Was in tears. It was pretty funny. Was in, you leave. I I'm going to be the bigger man, and I'm going to leave. <laughs> that shit was great. I, I I genuinely did laugh at that because I'm like, wow, what a big old bitch you are. But um, speaking speaking of big old bitches, let's talk about uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, which is Alicia Fox's new gimmick. Oh, and um, Jesus yeah, Christ. she had a she had a she had a match with uh, Nazi Dance, and um, Nazi Dance won. And then Emma decided that I'm gonna give people atomic wedgies and splash soda on myself and just be a complete lunatic. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to Bobby. Bobby Brown called. He wants her phone number. Yeah. Wow. I I was watching that segment and I said, "Is Alicia Fox gonna go outside and burn down David Otunga's car?" Because you know David Otunga's backstage <laughs> sipping coffee. Nobody's talking to him. He's just back there. He's like, "Yo, when am I gonna get some TV time?" Shut up. All right, you got it, man. You got it. David Otunga just trying to be hip. He's like, why can't I go out there and get squashed by Rusev? Because you're not black. <laughs> That's what yeah, he does. Come on. He's just like, he's just like one, Vince. Just get one match. Come on, one match. The thing about Alicia Fox is you have to remember she's not a loser. Yeah, she's not a loser. It's. It, I was watching that and I said, where is this going and why? Why? You know, the I'm, only thing she's got going for her, like GFQ Human says, is the backbreaker. But other than that, it's just like, what is she doing? It's like, okay, I'm going to do the Stone Cold with soda translation you're gonna have fruit flies sticking to your butt cheeks by the time you get backstage like what are you doing I, I was wait, I, that's all i'm waiting for i'm waiting for her to slip up and curse and then she'll be gone because yeah. you know she's like yay close to saying fuck you nigga and then i get it'll be done it's like oh that's it get alicia off bye that's <laughs> it she's gonna take out justin roberts with a bow tie see ya Oh, it's gonna. You, she's gonna. She's gonna. She's gonna wild out one day and just slap Lillian Garcia and then just be like, "That bitch ain't cute anyway." And that's gonna be that. She's gonna. Yeah, yeah. Dude, she's, yeah. she's just releasing five years of pent up aggression. It's like that's what? Why does it? If she's gonna pull out her own weave, it's gonna be just <laughs> insane. You'll find out that she really got like a full hawk. It's gonna be insane. Yo, why does it? Like, like, dude, you. She, go ahead. She's going five years without giving that title match, dude. I'd be pretty upset too. That's because she's been getting ready for her Destiny's Child reunion. Come on. Beating <laughs> <laughs> up dudes in elevators, you know that's nice. That's right. So that's, that's right. A, that's, that's a, what is it? That's, that's the, the cover band, Destiny's Foster Child. Oh, shit. Dude, I would, <laughs> I would give anything for her to beat up David they, Otunga they in an elevator. And, uh, and Alicia Fox. Can yeah. she just, can yeah, she just, yeah, yeah. Too. 
Alicia Fox will actually drop a song that's better than the freaking Naomi shit. Dude, can she can she just beat up David Otunga in an elevator just just to make it complete? <laughs> I'm not a loser. Just her yelling, "I'm not a loser," and stomping out David Otunga in an elevator because that would work. That would be that would be amazing. That that would be better than than the Dixie Carter angle. Just because David Otunga will be in the elevator sipping his coffee, and they'll be like, "This is what happened earlier today at WWE headquarters." When and David real goes wrong. Yep. And but I gotta, I do have a fe- I do have a feeling like she's probably maybe on her way out though, because it, it kind of reminds me of like when Gail Kim was like enough with you know she was like I'm not getting thrown out the fucking battle royal. Kiss my ass. I'm out of here. Like it, I got that feeling like she's about to just go and just say. Fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of of guy of people saying fuck this, I'm out. What did Damian Sandow do to be Davy Crockett? Anyone? What did he do? Oh. What was so wrong? What is so wrong with being intelligent he and looking the like the H. genius? He did the Triple H character better than Triple H. It's like it's like how is he? Triple what did H. he do so wrong? What did he do so wrong other than coming out dressed like Jesus? Because because even even God needs a wrestling ring. What happened? <laughs> What did he do? Apparently you didn't. Apparently you didn't see main event when he came out as the hip hop <laughs> thing in Sandow. Oh, oh, dude. I okay. I'm not even like kidding around. I actually think what Dan Sandow got going is a decent gimmick. I'm not even playing. Are you no, serious, bro? My, I was, I was looking at it. I was going like, okay, I kind of get what he's saying or what he's trying to do, but it is that what what's going on here? This is just. Like ridiculous, sad. Well, I I'll tell you, all, all the greats go through this phase. Oh, he, he, <laughs> all remember the rem- later went through it. Remember, show, it's just it's a big, big show. Oh, the, the big, big show, show. the big show, the big show <laughs> wakes up. <laughs> Listen, wait, wait, you know, I got it. I, I, it's okay because Damian Sandow, like, he's gonna get a shot the money in the bet. Oh fuck! Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's listen. Okay, okay. Here's a here's a question that I throw out there. Who's having it worse, Damian Sandow or Dolph Ziggler? Damian Sandow. Ziggler, Ziggler, and fucking Ziggler, dude. dude come on. Damian Sandow, Dolph Ziggler at least gets to hang out with huge jacked man, and you know, <laughs> you know, he gets to do he gets to do cool shit. You know, like Damian Sandow to, to come out. The spirit, the spirit squad on the countdown. Yeah, he gets to. Damian Sandow came out dressed as Magneto with a hot topic hoodie. Come on. It was hilarious. It was awesome. It was awesome, but it's just like, really? Like, here's here's the funny thing. Damien Sandow comes out and impersonates different people. Big Show wakes up every day and impersonates a wrestler. Oh, <laughs> yikes. You know, it's like, it's like come what on. What has let's... Big Show done to you? Not been entertaining for the last 10 years. That's what he's fucking done to me. Well, it's the just, Big just Show. Just let him get the mania win. Just let him get the mania win and dip out. He's still, he's still not over the knucklehead. <laughs> he's not over that. I choke slam you. <laughs> Knockout punch. <laughs> That's it. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's like watching Revenge of the Nerds. Like Big Show is Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. That's it. Just a big lumbering goof that does that they do nothing with. It's like, yo, you can't even say I got a mystery opponent and it's the Big Show. Nobody's even scared. They're like, all right, cool. Fuck it. In the old days, it could be worse. It could be the boss's favorite, the Great Kali. Ugh, the Great Kali, <laughs> the cop. I told you. I told you, Great Kali got to come out on a Segway. It would revitalize his gimmick. He just rides a Segway to the ring, <laughs> then he gets out. I the Great Kali, I chop, and then he gets on the on the Segway. Have Ron Jason dancing with him on the way down. 
Oh, it'd be fantastic. Dude, great Kali should be a rosebud. Imagine him trying to dance in the bunny outfit. Oh, dude, imagine Oh, imagine him trying to dance. Adam rolls up the flop back and lands on his shoulder. That's it. Him around. Exotic Express. That's, one, that's his one big rosebud. <laughs> that's it. Nobody touches my he's lemon. A he's a rose bro. <laughs> he's a he's a rose he's a rose thorn. Big ass motherfucker, lumbering ass bitch. It's like yo, he's my do, rose stem to the rosebud. Dude, how does he how does he walk and have the same hand eye coordination that Herman Munster did? How is that possible? You big goofy motherfucker. And Vince is like, when Kali walks, you could you could hear him like his in his head. He's saying one step. Two step, one step, dude. Two step. You know, one leg is asking the other leg permission to go first. <laughs> dude, you know for a fact that that Zack Ryder sits in the back and catering with a cup, and he goes, "Watch this, watch this." Kali, come here a second, and they and they recreate the Jurassic Park scene with the vibrating water. You know that shit. <laughs> He has a special kind of like tool to wipe his ass. That's he doesn't it. have ass cheeks. You know, Zach. So it's just like <laughs> the great a bigger ass in Charlotte, though. I'll give him that. Oh, <laughs> That's bad. wow! If you, got a, if you got a big ass in Charlotte, dude. Well, you know, you know, it's funny, and you know, we we could beat this up all day. Let's just wrap up this raw recap. Um, Del Rio and Sheamus was. Battle one more, of one more, one more, one more, one more. His underwear becomes instant thong once he puts it on. <laughs> Come on, that's that's awful on so many levels. The great, the great Kali. What what movie? There's a movie, and maybe one of you guys can tell me this. Where the dude the takes off, yard. Was it no? Yeah, was it smart. was the it the ass? No. <laughs> was it the was it the cone heads where the guy had no ass crack? He just had like two knobs on his back. That's the great Kali. That's it. Cool That's it. The great Kali is a conehead. He's wearing a wig. <laughs> All right. Well, let, speaking speaking of inadvertent comedy, inadvertent comedy matches, Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus. No, it was the meeting of bland gimmicks, the unstoppable bland gimmick versus the boring bland gimmick, in a match for bland now, gimmick supremacy. Now that's what you call putting a conversation to a screeching halt. Yikes! Yeah, it was it was fucking it was fucking it was it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. It was like all right, uh, yeah, it was like bro kick out of nowhere. Thanks. I yeah, like because these are matches that we've seen out of them for like two years ago. It's the, like you just revisiting what they the garbage that they had two years ago. The only thing that regr- that re that re that actually saved that entire match was Paul Heyman calling him a redheaded dummy. I died inside. And the winner, the big red-headed dummy, I was done. I I died inside cuz I said Paul Heyman for GM 2014. Oh, Paul Heyman kept it super real. He was like, "Look at this big red-headed mama Luke. Look at him." It was great. Just 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 Paul Heyman being the Meyer Lansky of wrestling, just calling him a big goof. It's like, "Yo, what are you going to do?" <laughs> Nothing. You're going to get your ass whooped by Cesaro and a handshake for your troubles. That's what that was. But I'll tell you this much. The the ending the ending contract signing, I'm like, this is just gonna end in violence, so let's get to it. So I like that Roman Reigns was like, yo, take this table, take these chairs, and let's fight. 
<laughs> That's what it was. It was just it was just Roman Reigns being extra extra hood, channeling his inner Uso, and yo, we gonna fight. That's what we gonna do. And just just Dean Ambrose being a complete psychopath like usual. It was it was it was probably one of the better contract signings. It just felt like let's just get it out of the way. Let's just call it and let's just fight. I think it was a fitting hey. ending, but it didn't make me give a shit about the pay per view. Now, um. I'll go to John Blade. Well, I mean, first. the contract has something written about it, about it being WWE creative is the best in the world. Oh, it's yeah. something humorous written on it. I don't remember off the top of my head. Cranberry Kid says, baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> baby doll. Yeah, just, ugh. You know Renee Terrible. Young. Renee Young, you know you happy to see me, Ma. You know you happy. I'm the 20, best 23 <laughs> seconds in wrestling and in the bedroom. Oh, baby my doll. God. That's it. Fucking hilarious, dude. So when he's just looking at somebody just going, you know you're going to get that work. It's like, what? <laughs> We're wrestling. Exactly. It's like, it's, like, it's like, what? Who's going to get that work? What? <laughs> what did you say? Don't, like, Roman, don't even pin me. I don't even want to go there. That's it. Vince McMahon is like, Roman, you're going to go out there, and I want you to be the Samoan heartthrob. And it's just like, so, 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 you, so you want me to go out there and just be me? That's right. Go out there and, tr- and tell Triple H he's gonna get that work. <laughs> He'll understand We're put what you you're trunks saying. With a big palm tree in the front, <laughs> dude. Tell- what are you doing, Vince? <laughs> it, it, it was it was it was awful, dude. It was it was awful. I mean, like I said, the contract signing, you know, the contract signing was academic as all hell. But I just like the fact that they they skipped all the bullshit and they said let's just fight and make everyone happy. You know, we're stuck with an issue, though. When when Roman Reigns leaves the shield, what is he going to wear? What will his ring attire be? Oh, dude, he's got to wear that Samoan skirt that I showed you guys he wore. He's got to wear that. He's got to come out with that. He's got to do the Siba Tau. And then he's got to wear full Samoan face paint. Like, each Uso wears half. And if you combine them both together, you get Roman. So Roman has to wear full face paint because he's the complete Uso. He is perfect Uso. He's like Cell. <laughs> That's it. Uso just stops showing up on TV when he slips. That's it. Didn't we do this already? We did it for 30 years and it works. I'm like, no, no, are you sure? Because I'm not wearing these trunks with the palm trees and the coconuts on it. I'm not wearing that. Oh, uh, you know what I mean? You know I don't, what I don't, I, but I do say that he will be. I, I, I'm still backing the fact that the one, if it's going to be that the Shield do break up or something to us happen, it's going to be Roman that, that's the one that turns on everybody. Dude, I do see that. I tell you what, you know how Chris Jericho has the glowing jacket? Um, Roman Reigns needs a shirt made out of coconuts. Oh. Uh, <laughs> enter Carlito Caribbean Cool. That's it, just a shirt with, but, but I'm not talking about a shirt with coconuts on it. I'm talking about taking coconuts, cutting them in half, and making a shirt. <laughs> Like a full-on <laughs> shirt made of coconuts. You're every time asshole. that that motherfucker, like, every time that every time that motherfucker walks, it's like every time he walks, it's like this, just jingling fucking coconuts as soon as it comes out. He does a little dance, bouncing the coconuts at the top. Oh, it'd be great, dude. He does like the peck pop and the coconuts move. Oh, it'd be fantastic. All the girls go hype. He's got an arm for the lays, and he's going down the aisle just laying women, like the, the double entendre. Terrible. I'm laying you. I'm That's it. Laid. Terrible. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I will not support this. Dude, that's no. it. That's it. He throws the leg. Come out with like the whole magic mic outfit, just playing like the beat in the back. You're like, 
Listen, listen, you can't you can't take Roman seriously when this is what when this is what people got to look forward to. Look at that outfit. Hello, baby. That is it. Sup, baby doll. Look at this towel. Look at this towel. You buy it. You buy it at Conway for ten dollars. You just got laid, Mm -hmm. girl. (laughs) It says welcome to Samoa on it. it, it, Oh, my God. It'd be fantastic. Yo, you know, Roman Reigns, if he wouldn't have got. A, a WWE job, you know, he'd be like an extra on Hawaii Five O, like every week. <laughs> he's the guy that owns like the, the the like the 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 fish shack on the corner. That's he's it. Always snitching on somebody. He's the informant. Yup. Remember, remember Pico from down the block? That's it. He still got that mess. Listen, <laughs> listen. You know they're grooming. The, all I gotta say is, and I've shared this before. Observe. It's 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 imminent. It is imminent. He's gonna. No, but that does it does bring up a good point. Like you know, once it happens, he can't rock the vest, the cargo nope. more. Like, what does he become? Like that. That's a good point. Like, does he do like the typical you know wear all black, stone cold look, or like you know it, it does ponder because you know once he walks through that gorilla position and he's wearing something atrocious, it's over. It's over for him. Listen, GFQ Human said all he has to do is come out with a spear, like a legit spear. <laughs> A legit spear. It's a play on words on his name. I'm a That's Roman. It. I'm also Samoan. That's it. <laughs> Just comes out with a Syrian helmet. Hey, ladies. Running. hey, ladies, I have another spear. That's it. It's not in my hand. That's it. I'm going to give you the best three seconds of your lives. <laughs> All right. Well, it's going to be a real slow count. That's it. <laughs> And you're it not going to kick out at two. This ain't a three. I need five. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to chortle. We're going to end up chortling for the next, uh, for the next hour. So let's, uh, switch into the other wrestling. I ain't news. Even mad. Um, <laughs> Sinkara is no longer using his name because, you know, he thought he owned it and all. Now he is going by El Misterioso. I'm figuring El Bacho was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently when he apparently when he signed his WWE contract, it wasn't in Spanish. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah, you can still use Sin Oh, I can. Okay. Yep. No. He's walking around as El El Misterioso, the mysterious one. Yeah, it's a mystery that you can have a match where you don't hurt yourself. (laughs) I I I just I just can't. Oh, Ambulanso said his name. Oh, Ambulanso. It says, oh, keep the ambulance on the ring. I'm going to get hurt today again. I, I figured, I figured <laughs> people. Give me, he should come out on a stretcher. I figured, I figured he <laughs> wouldn't. Match is an ambulance match. <laughs> I figured, I figured him going as El Wii U Wii U wouldn't work. <laughs> Blue Cross was not available. It was That's only trademark. Oh my God, poor <laughs> bastards. So. He should come out with a broom so you can sweep up the pieces after the match. Oh. So as I as I mentioned as I mentioned before with Brad Maddox getting fired, they um they took a poll for raw GMs. Here's the funny thing, like I said, Hulk Hogan led the poll, but Paul Heyman was in second place. Interesting. I would I would go crazy if every time Paul Heyman was the if 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 Paul Heyman was the GM and every time Raw just started, he goes, Welcome to Monday Night Raw, home of the man who conquered the streak. <laughs> I mean, it's have a countdown every every week at seven days. Like so and so days ago, my client Brock Lesnar 
Oh, I mean, be... he would actually be the only GM that you're supposed to hate. Yep. But I would agree with every match that he put. Yep. I'm like, yes, exactly. That's what I want. Three on one against Cena? Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I would. No I would. Problem. Every match on Cena. <laughs> every match is Cena. The only no The only other guy I would probably take is William Regal as GM. William Regal would be an awesome GM. That's yeah. The, uh, I, I, I just, I, you know, I, I, I don't get people anymore with the whole Hogan thing. I mean, I mean, of course he's the man, the le- the legend, or whatever. But just leave him where he's at. Just don't, don't involve him in anything. Nope. He He turned stuff into shit quickly. He doesn't have the well, mind to touch anymore. Right. I'm sure if they do it with Hogan, he's just gonna be reading cue cards like this, this, and this for the match. Say this, this, and this, and That's don't it. die on the, <laughs> the ring. That's it. Those are his instructions no. every week. He can't go to the, the the ring wearing his reading glasses. It just throws the whole mystique. <laughs> off. It just throws the mystique off. It just ruins the whole gimmick. But you know what? I I I wanted to I wanted to switch gears for as much as we clown everybody. I gotta commend them for for this. They um Kane, you know, well Glenn Jacobs. Uh, did a concussion awareness workshop with kids and parents, um, along with WWE's ringside physician. And here's the crazy part. The entire event was sponsored by Kane's, ins- well, by Glenn Jacobs Insurance Agency, which was pretty badass. Imagine, imagine, it's like, today's concussion seminar is brought to you by the Jacobs Agency. And he just walks in, it's like, oh my God, it's Kane! <laughs> you know, just little and kids the fucking shit. is coming up behind him. Oh, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> But but the thing the thing that everybody's I, running for the hills, fire and brimstone is all over the place. Well, the thing that I liked about this was the fact that you know what it is. Everybody talks about kids don't do this at home, blah blah blah. But concussions are a very very huge underlying injury that a lot of kids suffer playing various sports. So it's good that they're actually going into that, especially you know after all the research that's been done with concussion. So I wanted to put that out there because I thought it was something pretty badass that they did. And Kane it was sponsored by Katie Vick. Oh, I was. Oh. Friends don't let friends become like Katie Vick. Don't get a concussion, kids, or else Triple H will have sex with you. you know, sponsored by the Katie, Katie, Vick, Katie Vick Fund. So, <laughs> as as we were talking about this earlier, and I want I kind of want Quark to chime in on this. They have a plan to transition Tyson Kidd into a luchador and put a mask on him. So, and here's the logic. According to what they're saying, they feel that Tyson Kidd is a very talented performer, but the feeling is that they cannot do anything with him as Tyson Kidd past him being a lower card prelim guy. This has been due to the way he has been booked. So they're going to push him with a Lucha Libre style mask. Now, this is coming from the Wrestling Observer, and I want to go to Quark first because this is something that just screams, you know, throw some dirt on it. Um... What do you think, Tyson Kidd, Luchador? Hey, the Sincar experiment didn't work, so try again, I guess. Third time's the charm. Listen, they I they mean, gotta put a his Tyson Luchador, did. his his Luchador mask better look like Ultimate Muscle. He should just come out like one of the Ultimate Muscle dudes. I mean, they could they could team him again with um with a, a fucking wife beater bodyguard. Hey, that's what you want to do. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> That was great. That was that was. But he's but um he did that a he did that a few times already in NXT where he came out with a mask. But I think they should make it like really obvious that he's under the mask. Like put a mask on him with like a big heart on it, you know, like orange <laughs> pink and it's black, you know, and then it's just like oh his name is like mice and red. Like just to make him like 
like almost obvious. Oh no, the, dude, you have to come out in, in, a, in a luchador like Buffalo Mass and call him Bison Man. <laughs> <laughs> Here, and here I thought, here I thought that you could make him a luchador mountie, or perhaps, or per, you know, or perhaps a maple syrup salesman. Bison man, dude. Bison, okay. bison, bison okay. man, yeah, bison a, man. We're going into the ring, eh? And he's That's got a it. big hockey mask on. Oh, dude, yeah, he should. Do it, put it, yeah, put a put a goalie mask on. Oh, that's it. He should be a hockey luchador. Comes out to the ring with a hockey stick, a hitman, a Canadian hitman hockey jersey. People will be like, why is he wearing a hitman jersey? And it's just him letting people know that it's still Tyson Kidd. He's like, it's still me under here, guys. It's still me. Please love me. Uh, please love me. Please. I'll be extra Canadian for you, eh? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I feel I feel bad for him because it's like the fact that they're that the uh, that the quote unquote logic they're using is that the Tyson Kid persona is just not good. But it's like, but it's who he is. It's like, oh, hey, guy, all that charisma you think you have. It sucks. Thought you should know. But, you know, like, you know it's not his fault. He's Canadian. There's only been a handful of Canadians who have actually been like charismatic. So it's like, I mean, what Canadian wrestlers have ever been successful? I'm kidding. I know there's a lot. Stop. To be considered like charismatic, Tyson Kidd, I would really put him in a hole with that freaking bad haircut he had when he first came out. That was atrocious. True. He that, never recovered from that. The Stewie Griffin going sideways across his head. <laughs> Look, the, the Ed Grimley. It's like, it's yeah, that's like, really going to come back to bald head, but like bangs on a guy. Yeah, that's going to work. Oh, yeah, that's going to work. Who told you that was a good idea? It's like, please put, you know what it is? Please put the mask on. That way, when you're on Total Divas, they'll say it's two different dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what they should do is actually, do, instead of doing like the whole luchador thing, just wait, pair him up. Wait till Evan Bourne comes back and pair him up with Evan Bourne. Maybe, you know, they'll kick off something there. Exactly. Evan who? Evan Bourne. Evan Bourne will be back before Evan Bourne. Yo, he'll come out. He'll be hanging out. He'll be handing out Decox albums when he comes back. Listen, the the last bit of wrestling news I want to talk about is is about CM Punk. It was funny because he did an interview because he was doing a charity event in Chicago, and they were like, "Oh, you know, how's it feel to be retired?" He's like, "Oh yeah, it's fantastic being retired at at my age." So you know, people, you know, everybody, everybody's like, "Oh man, it's legit. It's not legit. Whatever the case may be." But after. After what I read, they're part of the global plan. Well, they're part of the plan. Well, after what after reading like all the shit he goes through, it's like I kind of I kind of just want him to stay retired. It's like oh, people sticking candy in his mailbox, can't put out his garbage because people are hanging outside of his house. It's like yo, come the fuck on! Like so, yo, once that WWE money runs out, he'll be back. Well, it's not even back. it's not even about you know the money. What? I'll still love him. Well, it's not even about that the money. He'll never go dry, dude. He has so much cash money that he's never going to run out of it. It's not going to last forever. He's still young. Well, that's well. He's not an old man. Cranberry Kid makes up a valid point. It's like, do we want him back? I'll I'll be I'll be honest. Yes. I'm, I'm a big CM. Yes. Well, b- before yes. dude, CM Punk's the man. But yeah, I, he left. Boo-hoo. dude. I'm a CM Punk mark, and I'm, I'm worse. And I'm a big fan. But I'll be realistic. It's like, yo, when they're talking about like dudes camping outside of his house and all that crazy shit, it's like, yo, some people just. It, it catches up with them. So it's like, listen, let the guy take a year off. Let him take two years off. Let him recharge his batteries, you know, and he and it, it's like he's still making money off of merch. 
there's still CM Punk chants in every arena. It's like the dude can chill. I just feel that the problem is that he's not accustomed to being like this, like this superstar, you know, this revolutionary superstar that everybody wants to touch, you know, like it makes me wonder, like our kids saying, Hey, I want CM Punk to fulfill a wish for me. You know what I mean? Like, like John Cena is out there fulfilling wishes. Is CM Punk ever fulfilling? Has it been asked? You know what I mean? Because like, like I'm curious, like, is he that type of a guy or is he just so, is he so anti-fame that he looks at it like I'm punching the clock and going to work? CM Punk is just that cool that he he pulled a Dave Chappelle. He had it all and just said, "Nah." True. That's a that's a great analogy. He pulled the Dave Chappelle. Like I respect the shit out of CM Punk. Like yo, like you could like if you really signed his contract, you probably would have got double than what he got last time. He probably would have been booked to you know headline WrestleMania 31. He probably would have been booked to beat Brian. He would have had even more than that he had than from his last run. But you know what? Motherfucker's supposed to chill and fuck his hot Asian girlfriend. So I want to do. Uh, listen, fuck AJ, with I, Bill Murray and chill and watch Black I agree Fox with Day. everything you're saying. The main thing is he'll be back. Yeah, he and I'll be he, there. He's, he's <laughs> the best in the world, dude. He will come back in Reading. I'm calling it. Oh, you know, geez. you know this next I've, year. I've been quiet through this whole conversation because I am a big, humongous CM Punk fan, and I feel like a scorned lover who was just turned away by this man. Like, I still look at his shirts and I clutch them and bring them to my chest. So I bring them to my chest and I cry a little bit. Even when I'm playing WWE. You know what the great thing is? But when I play WWE 2K14, I can't even look at his face and use him as a playable character because I feel like it's just wrong. Well, that's okay. Let's download him with a mask on credit character. Here we go. I look at everybody who's saying we want him back, and I'm, in my mind, I'm going, fuck him. We don't want him. And I'm like, yep. yes, we do. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just torn. Well, it's I, like... do, I do pose this question, though. If he is to return, and if he does return, or when he does decide he wants do they book it as CM Punk returns, or do you think he comes out as like a surprise, like out of the blue? What, like, I mean, what would no be the cash cow? You, you won't see it coming, dude. Surprise! You won't see it coming. That's it would why be... any outrageous idea of CM Punk returning isn't that outrageous. Well, you know what's it's funny? CM Punk. It's got to be and exactly you gotta that. CM Punk's a troll. It's got to be. It's got to be that. It's got to be super random, like. Oh my god, a fan hopped the railing and super kicked Daniel Bryan, and then all of a sudden the hoodie comes off. They're like, oh my god, but you know, it, cause that'll be, that'll be great, you know, but it has to be, nobody knows he's, he's, he's in the arena. Nobody knows he's even in the state. Like he's got to drive to whatever state it is. He can't go through an airport. He can't do nothing. It's just got to be, he drives to whatever destination it is, and then he just fucking shows up. Where's Payback gonna be at? Chicago, Chicago, like the last four pay-per-views, <laughs> the tease. They, they want to keep going back to Chicago just to give you that sliver of hope. Yep. What he's going to do is going to show up as number one in next year's Royal Rumble, and no one's going to see it. Yep. Or he'll show up as number one. 30 and win the he's whole thing. He's going to come out and GTS somebody in the bunny outfit. Oh, uh, that'll be tremendous. Yeah, that's the words out of my mouth. I mean, and yeah, look at Jay stealing earlier. jokes. Look at stealing jokes. Come <laughs> on, Jay. <laughs> Oh, I carry Adam Rose on the Exotic Express. He's gonna take off the bunny mask and GTS Adam Rose on the spot. I got, I got one. I think John. <laughs> I think John Cena. Talking about CM Punk's return. I mean, we've been talking about this shit for like four months. No. He's not coming back. Here's like, here you like, go. I don't know why. Like he said, he's retired. Like we're just we we, we sound like a, a shitty 
gossip website talking about CM Punk now. <laughs> well, it's like well, the return no, of Miguel Christ. We're like, he'll book, he'll he'll come. Come back. No, here's he'll here's come. how I see it. He'll be the next Paul Heyman guy. I brought I brought it up because it's like the guy legitimately said he's like, yo, I'm happy being retired. You know, like, 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 yeah, it just feels. Let's stop talking about him not being retired. If the news is him retired, then let's not sound like the fuckers who eat his trash and go through his mailbox. You, you <laughs> fucking bullshit <laughs> artist. I will Shut the fuck up. <laughs> let's close out this segment, Cork, because you're, you're in straight troll mode, you lying piece of shit. You know you what would. I'm I'm confused what I did. You would mark the fuck out if he came back. You, I like how you're trying to be Mister Mister Um Kayfabe. Like, he's hey, let's cool. let's yeah, be. He's all coy about it. Yeah, he's all coy about it. He's like, nah. He's like, nah. I don't want him back. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. You know, like. No. He's like, I mark out. He's like yes. that fan that's like, I don't give a shit if he comes back. Whoever, who cares? And then when he comes yeah. back, it's just like, yay, rainbows come out of his head. It's like, listen, if, if, if CM Punk come back, it'd be great. But what the fuck would you have him do? Hey, hey listen. Any, anything he wants Dude, to do. But you can make that anything he wants to do. Any okay, he's gonna, now. He's gonna, okay, fine. Let's, let's, he's going to become the GM. He's going to fight the authority. He's going to join the Shield. He's going to join the Wyatt. He's going to become a bow weaver. He's going to fuck the Richard Fox. No, a lot of sexual. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. He can do anything and everything. But the fact is, he's not. He's gone. He's going to take. Up. He's going to take Rusev from. Lo- he's going to take believe. Lana from Rusev. Don't stop believing. I'm he's going to take stop. Rusev. Fuck you, John. He's going to take. <laughs> never. Listen. I'm CM Punk marking like a like a man right now. Listen. Somebody listen. Somebody's going through like a twelve steps of recovery of CM Punk. This is <laughs> this is the this only is way. This is the denial stage. Oh, I'm at nine. Let me be. All right. Let all me right. be. The only way, the only way to close out this segment is is with this. This is gonna be all of you guys. There you go, little Mariah Carey. I'll be there. <laughs> Everybody, put your phones no up. Wings of an angel. Hold your phones up. That's it. Hold your CM Punk symbols in the air. That's, That's it. In the world. That's gonna be all you guys. Just, just. Mariah Carey, I'll be varying it the fuck up. Anyway. I cry myself to sleep to no, put a personality be, every night. It's got to be a hero. You have to play a hero. So that we can all like look at flashbacks of CM Punk G and oh, Jesus. people. All right. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's wrap this up. All right, ladies and gents. That actually wraps up our wrestling segment. First and foremost, of course, uh... make sure to follow these guys on Twitter at QuarkMTR, at John U. Butler for John Blade, and at J Santi PSW on Twitter. Of course, you can find all their content on mytakeradio.com. Catch them on our live blogs and, of course, on our Facebook fan page. Last but not least, as always, make sure to check out Buried from Quark, Santi's Face Heel of the Week, and uh, John Blade may actually make a return to Buried. He may make a return to Buried at some point. We don't know. I'm waiting for CM Punk to return. I think. John John is too busy um monitoring the Exotic Express. He has a countdown every time they're gonna show up, so it's it's time consuming work, you guys. All right, anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, Xbox lack of spark. Okay. <laughs> anything else? That's it. NXT is the future, and he'll be back. Let's go Rangers you know and let's go Rangers and fans. Tell the board that you want a face and heel of the week T-shirt. Face and heel t-shirt of the week. Yes, let's get that. All right. I think we can make that happen. All right, fellas. Thanks for everything. Peace. Will the t-shirts be weekly? I don't know. We're going to try and do some different stuff, but we'll see. It doesn't doesn't help that I make the t-shirts and motherfuckers are cheap. (laughs) I want my motherfucking shirt now. 
Make a boss a, bo- a boss bot shirt. Boss botch. Remember that. Yeah. Hashtag boss botch. Let's, let's make a let's get a, a milk cart shirt that just says "Where's John Blade on the milk carton." Oh shit! <laughs> someone needs to someone needs to Photoshop that, and we can make it happen. All right. I will catch you guys later. Peace. Later. Peace. Off. Peace. There you have it, guys. Those are those are. Uh, our, our, our MTR staffers giving us a five star wrestling segment this evening. With that said, we got some gaming to discuss. So let's get that ball rolling because it's 1 30 in the morning, folks, and we got a bit to go. All right, let's get to it. Slick is the voice of reason all the time with the segments. He'll message me and he'll be like, yo, it's one o'clock. And um, things just spiral out of control when we have everybody on board. But you know what? It makes for the best segments. Anyway, on the gaming side of things, first and foremost, um, we got Apple's WWDC announcement on June 2nd. Who knows what they got in store? Some people are saying they're going to do connected home. Other people are saying that they're going to start dipping their toes even more so into the gaming side of things. I'm going to be watching it with much interest. And of course, I will share any any news with you guys on our Facebook fan page. But definitely, it's a, it's an exciting time. Uh, Apple's officially acquired Beats. Uh, who knows if it's going to be Beats Music or how they're going to integrate the Beats brand into Apple devices. But it's definitely a very, very interesting time on the tech side of things. And it impacts gaming as well because Apple is kind of slowly stretching themselves into gaming, especially with the rumors I've been hearing that they're going to add more gaming components to the Apple TV going forward. Again, we won't know anything else till June 2nd, but um, once I hear it, of course, we will discuss it on air. All right, so we have um, some very interesting things going on. Of course, we have E3 right around the corner, and one of the things that was announced, which I was shocked was announced before E3, was a brand new Lego Batman game, Lego Batman Beyond Gotham. It's going to be arriving on Xbox One, Xbox 360, PS4, PS3, the Vita, the Wii U, the 3DS, and the PC. Uh, Basically, uh, Batman and various other DC heroes will be squaring off against Brainiac, Uh, The Lego Batman games are always well-received. People love them. I'm shocked that they made the announcement so early, considering that this game is a game that definitely would make a lot of waves come E3. But the bigger news prior to E3, of course, is the success of Watch Dogs. Our very own Slick is currently playing the game, and I've been seeing mixed reviews, but I'm curious to how Slick is going to approach this review, given that he was super excited and a lot of people are slightly torn I'm curious to see what he says, but the beauty of this is that regardless of whether people loved or hated the game, Ubisoft has sold the most copies in 24 hours of Watch Dogs versus any game in Ubisoft's history. So definitely a very, very huge accolade. I'm curious to see what the MPD numbers look like, but Ubisoft is touting that Watch Dogs has sold the most copies in its first 24 hours than any game in Ubisoft history. So definitely a pretty big boast like i said i know a lot of people have picked up watchdogs on the playstation 4 obviously for the um extra bonus content but again i want to see the numbers and i want to see slicks review so i can have a uh, better discussion on it uh jay says uh he picked up his copy and he's going to get into it this weekend like i said slick has been putting up 
uh, some screenshots from his PlayStation 4 while he's been playing the game. So, like I said, I'm very curious to see how he feels about it because if anybody can dissect the game and give us the guts and, and you know, the good and the bad, Slick is definitely that guy. Uh, me personally, while I like the concept of Watch Dogs, it wasn't a game that jumped out to me like, oh, I got to go buy this game. Now, people are probably saying like, oh, you know, what the hell, Rich? Maybe that should be that game should be on your radar. It was on my radar, but it just I don't know. You know how sometimes you see a game and you read about a game and it just it just resonates with you. It it catches your attention from start to finish. And as soon as the game comes out, you can't wait to part with your money. I'm in that camp with certain games. It just wasn't that way with Watch Dogs. But again, I'm curious to see what Slick has to say when the game, uh, when his review is finished and when the MPD numbers come out. Another teaser that came out this week, again, prior to E3, was um, an interesting poster for another Mortal Kombat. Uh, This particular poster had the traditional Mortal Kombat Dragon logo, and it said, Who's Next? And it had a slight outline of a broken spine. Um, I I did like the previous Mortal Kombat game, so again, I'm curious to see what they're going to do and how they're going to move that series forward. As much as we'd like to see another Mortal Kombat versus game, I do feel that the Mortal Kombat series can grow and be better if they didn't choose to waste slots on characters that don't make any sense in the Mortal Kombat mythology. I think that Mortal Kombat still has a tremendous upside and it can still offer um, a great experience to console console owners and arcade gamers as well. I just feel that it's been long enough that maybe a brand new Mortal Kombat game going back into the roots and relying more on great gameplay and less on random characters like Freddy Krueger would be the way to go. Honestly, if you want to use Freddy Krueger and characters like that, then at least make a fighting game with those characters. I'd play a fighting game where you could play as Jason, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Ash, uh, you know, some of some of the, the, the different Hollywood slashers, and it was done in the same style as Mortal Kombat. I would actually play that. I think if you're going to use those characters, don't throw them, you know, willy-nilly into the Mortal Kombat universe. Maybe take those characters and apply them to a game like that. I think it would be a welcome alternative. It would be nostalgic, and it would be pretty cool. Imagine you'd take a roster of, I don't know, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, uh, maybe Pinhead, The Tall Man, uh, Chucky, you know, just a, a lot of the different a lot of the different slashers, uh, Leatherface, you throw them all in there and you let them fight it out. You throw fatalities in there, an ample amount of blood and guts. I think it would sell well and you could even release it as just a, um, you know, a PlayStation Network or or an Xbox Live game, charge 15, 20 bucks. I think people would, would scoop it up immediately versus sticking these characters into Mortal Kombat and testing out the waters. You, you might be better served doing it that way. Like I said, you use all those characters, maybe throw Ash in there from Evil Dead, some of the iconic horror characters that we know, you can create a roster of about 12 to 15 characters that you can use. And like I said, put some special attacks, some fatalities, and just have it made by the studio that did Mortal Kombat. I'd, I'd pick it up in a heartbeat because it looks like it would be a fun concept for sure. So this next bit of, uh, of gaming news might be a little inside depending on who you are. Uh, it affects it affects us particularly more so than it may affect some of you other guys. Uh, this involves Nintendo and what they're doing with people that do Let's Play videos on YouTube. 
Now, many of you know that if you're putting up gameplay videos on YouTube and you run your own channel, you cannot monetize the videos most times because it's, it's you know, you're making revenue off a copyrighted product. Now, most times some people get away with it if they're doing commentary over the gameplay hardcore or not. It varies, but depending on the game and depending on the context of the video, a lot of times you can't monetize it and we've had that happen. Now, what Nintendo is doing is that they're creating their own YouTube affiliate program where people can use licensed images and videos. Creators will sign up for the program and then they'll be able to receive a portion of the advertising revenue. So what what happens is, say Quark is going to review Mario Kart and he decides I'm going to do a Let's Play video to go with my game with my review. And he puts it on YouTube. He can't monetize it. But if he puts it on YouTube and he signs up for the Nintendo affiliate program, he can get a portion of that advertising money. So while it is, it is, uh, you know, the people aren't getting 100% of the revenue, at least Nintendo's reaching out and extending an olive branch to people that use, uh, you know, that play their games and use their content. So, so it's, it's pretty split. Some people are a little bit upset about it. Other people are annoyed. Um, you know, other people are slightly annoyed. Some people are very, very upset. And other people just say, hey, I'd rather some money than no money. Me personally, I'm in the camp of I'd rather some money than no money because the YouTube game and the Let's Plays and all the video stuff with games is it's great because you're taking a hobby or you're taking a career, you're making a career out of something you love and you're making a little money from it. Now, again, YouTube, you make money. You got to go through a lot of work between editing video and making sure you have engaging commentary. So, again, it's, it's a little outside of the scope for a lot of people that aren't putting their videos on YouTube like we are. But for those of you that are make, trying to make some money off of YouTube, you might be you might be suited to, you know, it might benefit you to sign up for that Nintendo affiliate program in case you want to put some Nintendo content as well. On the PlayStation 4 side of things, it looks like Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare will be hitting the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 3 this summer. Of course, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare launched on Xbox One and is now making its way to PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. Uh, The game was pretty well received, and I'm surprised it took this long considering that, you know, the, the exclusivity period for a game like that, I'm surprised was that long, but it's good to see... Uh, people will, you know, Sony console owners will benefit from Plants vs. Zombies on their console. Now, gaming was a little light this week. I did want to talk about, and this is something that I've noticed um, a little bit more so. There's been a lot of chatter about Nintendo the last couple of weeks. Of course, Mario Kart dropping this weekend. People are saying that E3, they're going to do some some really good stuff uh, with Smash Brothers and some of their first party titles. Here's the thing, and and I I mentioned this to um, a young lady who writes for Revolve Entertainment on Twitter. I said, you know, I really would like Nintendo to surprise all of us and really just wow us with a lot of first-party stuff, or not even first-party stuff, but just stuff that people want to play. I mean, Mario Kart is definitely a step in the right direction. I'd love to see more of that, and I say this because I really, I'm, I'm not tired of coming on air and giving Nintendo the business, but I would like to come on, uh, come on air and just talk about how good Nintendo was. Slick is telling me that the line for Mario Kart wrapped around the block at Rockefeller Center, and these are the kind of things I like to hear. I mean, 
and I said this on Twitter, you know, I grew up, my first console wasn't any, well, let, let me, let me be clear. My first, uh, entry into gaming was an Atari 2600 with a very, very damaged copy of Berserk. Um, added to that was a very terrible Indiana Jones game. And that was pretty much my, my entry into gaming. But the bulk of my childhood was spent with Nintendo products. I'm talking about, you know, NES, Super NES, Nintendo 64. These were my bread and butter. Every, every system in my house was, was from Nintendo initially. I didn't touch a Genesis until years later. Like, I had a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo, and then I ended up getting a Genesis because this really shady video store had some, you know, some crackhead sold them a Genesis, and my grandmother bought it from them, and, you know, it came with Sonic the Hedgehog, the three-button controller, etc., etc., and, um, again, like I said, Nintendo is such a, was such a big part of my childhood, playing, you know, all the Mario games, Clash of Demon Head, which was a favorite of mine, uh, Legend of Zelda, that really terrible Batman movie game, um, you know, the list goes on and on. I had a really, really cool uh, RoboCop game on Nintendo based on the first on the first film. Um, what else did I play? Gyromite. I remember I got Gyromite without the robot, and I just would spend hours trying to figure out how to play that game. Add in their Duck Hunt, which, you know, were, were games that I played with my mom a lot, Duck Hunt in particular, and later on, uh, Super Mario Brothers, and that's what I'm saying, like, Nintendo was such a big part of, of, like, my gaming life that I just genuinely feel bad coming on air and shitting on them, but I just get frustrated because I want them to succeed. You know, I was heartbroken when Sega left the consoles, the console scene after the Dreamcast because I still use my Dreamcast hell. I've streamed a couple of Dreamcast games on our Twitch channel. It's uh, Twitch TV forward, uh, forward slash my take radio TV. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, the Dreamcast was just an incredibly awesome console, had really great graphics. I have so many games. I think I may stream. I have a Dreamcast uh, Japanese Godzilla game. Maybe I'll stream that just for a couple of shits and giggles. And, um, you know, it's one of those things like right now I've been watching this uh, this system called the Retro N5, which is going to be put out, um, which was a was announced a, a year or two back and it's finally hitting uh the mainstream it allows you to play nes super nes and um genesis mega drive all of those titles and what it does is is that you can pick up the system for a hundred bucks and it, it lets you play the games via hdmi i'm trying to find a picture of it so you guys can see it because you know it's it's a cool console and um, it's made by Hyperkin. And uh, let me see. I can pull it up and you guys can check it out. So here it is. It's um, it was supposed to be a hundred bucks. It's been going up in price. See, it can play NES, uh, Super NES, Super Famicom, Genesis Mega Drive, regular Famicom, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color and regular Game Boy games. It has HDMI and the controllers are Bluetooth. Now, originally, it was announced that this console was going to run $100. Now, I've been hearing that it's going to cost a lot more. Now, as I was saying, you know, this is a, uh, you know, with HDMI and stuff, it makes me want to go and pick up 
like I said, Clash of Demon Head, the original DuckTales, Chippendales Rescue Rangers, um, Sonic and Knuckles, if I if I wanted to feel nostalgic, um, Streets of Rage 3, which I really liked, even, even though you used a fighting kangaroo and um, an old man with cybernetic arms. But this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about, you know, like, like, I want to root for, for Nintendo because of that, because there's such a, such a big part of, of just like my childhood, you know? So for, for, for E3 to be successful for them, they got to come out of the gate swinging. Otherwise it's just going to be a lot of dejected fans. Once again, I'm, I'm really pumped for Mario Kart. Like I said, it's been, it's been something that's been hanging in the back of my mind and I may actually pick up a Wii U sooner rather than later, just because I want to play Mario Kart. Cause it looks so awesome. And like I said, it's a game that's timeless and it, it's definitely worth a pickup. So if you're on the fence about a Wii U, definitely you can pick one up, play Mario Kart, play the new Super Mario game, um, let, you know, Lego City Undercover, which Slick sp- spoke very highly of, is an incredibly awesome game. So again, the Wii U started to step its game up. It's starting to pick up steam. Um, it's almost, somebody used an analogy on Twitter, uh, which was, Nintendo is playing the role of the tortoise in its race against the hare, which is PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and, um, you know, that they're going to sneak up and steal the spotlight from both systems. We'll see what happens. Like I said, E3 is right around the corner, and, of course, we will have all the news as as quick as possible on MyTakeRadio.com, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Anyway, gaming was a little light this week. We got a lot of entertainment to cover, so let's get to it and not waste any time. So there's a lot of... uh, really crazy stuff going on with Marvel the last couple of days. Um, some stuff good, some stuff bad. A lot of people are torn. Uh, the big one, of course, is that Edgar Wright stepped away from directing Ant-Man due to issues and conflicts with Marvel, uh, particularly rewrites of the script. Now, some people are saying that Marvel has a very, very good understanding of their characters and that they brought on Edgar Wright just for name value versus Edgar Wright having an interpretation and Marvel letting him run with the ball. Me personally, Ant-Man is a very, now I don't want to say an obscure character, but I don't think he's a character that warrants a full feature film. That's always been my stance. But to see a director like Edgar Wright, a guy who's done so much fan service, um, to, to be pulled, to step away from this movie, it really makes you wonder what did Marvel want to make him do that really broke the, you know, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, right now, obviously, um, they're going to need a new director for Ant-Man. There's a rumor that it's going to be James Gunn, who just did Guardians of the Galaxy. But it just makes you wonder, like a guy like Edgar Wright, he had this, 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 this vision for the character. And his involvement in the film probably led to the cast that they've acquired, including, you know, Paul Rudd, uh, Michael Pena, Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, so, and Patrick Wilson. I, I feel that, by Edgar Wright stepping away, it makes you a little apprehensive about working with Marvel because Marvel's going to put the screws to you to ensure that the characters are done their way. I mean, this goes back to the whole Sam Raimi um, Spider-Man 3 where Marvel kind of pushed for him to put Venom in the film. 
And, you know, he protested, but he did. He folded anyway. And we know how that turned out. Now, it makes you wonder, was Edgar Wright, um, you know, correct in stepping away or should he have just tried to play ball and get Ant-Man to the big screen? Me personally, I respect that he had a certain vision for the character and that he stepped away. Um, you know, the, the that's a movie that can go either way. Same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. For as much uh, positive feedback and fanfare as Guardians of the Galaxy is getting, I still am of the school of thought that it's going to be a wait-and-see film with regards to how audiences react to it. I feel Ant-Man is going to fall in that same category. On the small screen side of things, Drew Goddard, who was supposed to be involved with Dare, the, Dare, the, um, the Daredevil TV series, he also stepped away, but they're saying that he stepped away because he wanted to focus his energies on the Sinister Six film. Now, Deadline is reporting that Stephen, did, that Stephen DeKnight, who did Spartacus, is going to be involved with Daredevil going forward. In addition to that, they actually casted Daredevil, and he is going to be played by Charlie Cox, which if you watch Boardwalk Empire, you will recognize him as Owen Slater. Now, I think Charlie Cox is a very serviceable actor. I think you don't need somebody super mainstream for a character like Daredevil. I feel that Daredevil works better from a storytelling standpoint, and you just let that character grow into the role. I mean, I look at him, I'm looking at this casting the same way I look at Mads, Mik- Mads Mikkelsen in Hannibal. It's a it's an actor you didn't expect, but it's an actor that made the character his own. I think Charlie Cox, he's, he's a solid actor. Uh, he was in Stardust. Of course, he was also, like I said, in Boardwalk Empire. And he's a very, very solid actor, especially his work on Boardwalk, where he was working alongside so many other talented actors. I'm curious to see how he pulls Daredevil off. And, you know, 2015 will be around, uh, will be here soon, and we will know for sure if Daredevil is going to be a success or not. All right, let's talk box office totals. It should come as no shock that X-Men Days of Future Past was number one, earning $90 million opening weekend. Uh, Godzilla dropped to number two. Blended was number three. Neighbors was four. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was five. Million Dollar Arm was six. The Other Woman was 7, Rio 2 was 8, Chef was 9, and Heaven is for Real was 10. GFQ Human, what are the new... I think um, GFQ Human, if you want to get into that, you should just check on the network where you can search by... um, Just answering GFQ Human's question, you can search by Diva or by Superstar. I think that might be the best way to do it. There's no specific... Uh, diva show so um hopefully that helps anyway as i was saying um you know great weekend at the box office of course we got uh edge of tomorrow coming up this weekend we also have um a thousand ways a million ways to die in the west whatever you know that the seth MacFarlane western which i know the rightist is going to be working on uh, me personally i don't think i'm going to be making any more trips to the theater until transformers drops I kind of want to see Edge of Tomorrow, considering how positive it's been trending on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, again, I think it's it's trending 92% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. But if any of the MTR staff is going to see Edge of Tomorrow and wants to review it, drop me a line. If not, maybe I'll try and, and, and check it out. Because like I said, the concept looks interesting, even though it's just Groundhog Day with guns. But to see that it's trending so positive on Rotten Tomatoes has piqued my interest. There you have it. 
In some other record-breaking news, Frozen breaks another record, surpassing Iron Man 3 as the fifth highest-grossing movie of all time at the worldwide box office. Frozen surpassed Iron Man 3 by earning $1.2 million, actually uh, uh, almost almost 1.2 million, excuse me. 1 billion, excuse me, 1.2 billion dollars uh beating Iron Man 3 which was a little over 1.2 billion. Um you know, that's the that's the best way to do it. Uh Frozen it's it's another solid Disney film that goes and continues to just get record after record after record. And when I was saying about that's how you do it, you got to realize you're taking a film that had no other IP behind it. You know, it's an original IP and you're throwing it out there and and kids are just eating it up. And again, box office totals nowadays, when you hit the billion dollar mark, they need an asterisk. You know what I mean? Like they need an asterisk if you're going to to really talk about numbers because there's so many other factors involved. There's RPX, there's 3D, there's IMAX, and then there's regular box office totals as well. I always feel that the box office numbers should be segregated based on the fact that there's so many other ways to consume film and that even though they all affect the bottom line at the box office, I think if you started breaking it down a little more, you'd see some very, very interesting numbers. I mean, Frozen, it's a great film. Everybody loves it. It's it's record-breaking on DVD, Blu-ray, and in, in, in theaters. But again, I'm curious, um, you know, what kind of, was it shown in 3D? What were the 3D numbers versus the 2D numbers, etc.? It's something definitely worth checking out. I'd love to see that. So a couple of months back, we were talking about the remake, an American remake of The Raid, one of the best action films I've seen in quite some time. Um, as it turns out, uh, The Raid remake has been delayed until 2015. Originally, the film was scheduled to start shooting in September, but instead they're going to be shooting it in 2015 with a release later on in the year, primarily because they want to get some solid casting. Um, right now, they're looking at actors like Luke Evans, Anthony Mackie, Frank Grillo, or Ethan Hawke. O- originally, when I was talking about the remake, they were looking at the Hemsworth brothers to be involved in the project. As of right now, there's no actors that, you know, no actors have been cast, but it looks like the remake is a go, but won't be happening till 2015. A film that I thought would never get a sequel, much less, you know, a, a film that just I thought just fell into obscurity after it came out was my big fat Greek wedding. Now, my big fat Greek wedding, when it came out in 2002, it was it was, you know, it, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was watching it. Everybody thought it was it was awesome. And the thing is, I, I actually saw my big fat Greek wedding. And at the time when I saw it in 2002, I'm like, all right, you know, it's it's pretty much every other married comedy film with some racial undertones. Well, as it turns out, there's actually going to be a second film. Uh, Nia, Nia Vardalos has uh, gone on record as saying that there is a, a, fil- a second film in the make in the in the works. And it's going to follow a bigger, uh, a bigger Greek wedding and, you know, some trials and tribulations that she endures with her husband, who she married, of course, in the first film. Me personally, I don't I don't even know where I stand with this because it's a movie that, like I said, it came out in 2002 and here we are 12 years later and, you know, sure, people may tune in to see it, 
but I don't think it's going to yield the same level of success as the original film did. But who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be wrong. But as of right now, they um, as more news becomes available, I'll share it with you guys because it shocked me that they would create a sequel to a film like this 12 years later when the first film I kind of felt was one and done. We shall see what happens. But one thing that is uh, inevitable and that's what the fuck movie news this week. You guys are going to love this. We are getting a reboot of the 1993 film cliffhanger, which if you guys remember starred Sylvester Stallone as a mountain climber named Gabe Walker. It also had a game which was equally as shitty. Well, I kid you not. We are going to be getting a reboot. Originally, this reboot project was announced in 2009. For some reason, it seems to have climbed out of its grave and it looks to be coming uh, to theaters within the next year or two. Of course, like I said, um, Sylvester Stallone was Gabe Walker, who was squaring off against a group of thieves in the Colorado Rockies. Again, it's it, it was definitely wasn't a great film in the least, but the fact that it's being rebooted is, um, you know, it's definitely of great concern. Uh, you know, it's funny. Jay says in the chat, are you going to talk about reading rainbows Kickstarter? And it's funny you bring that up. And given that Jay mentioned that I, I do want to talk about it. I grew up watching reading rainbow as a kid and, um, the reading rainbow Kickstarter broke, broke a million dollars. It's continuing to make money. I do like the concept of where they're going with it, but I kind of feel that the, the fanfare behind it, there was a very interesting article put out about it which I'm going to share on the fan page, which it kind of raised a couple of honest questions. Listen, as as someone who grew up watching shows like Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, Sesame Street, um, you know, all those classic shows, uh, the Snorks, uh, Yogi Bear, you name it. I can 90 go, seconds. There goes the English lady talking about 90 seconds. If you are listening to the blog talk radio feed, that feed will go offline at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The show will continue on mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv, and of course, uh, mixler.com forward slash radio. So, as I was saying, you know, seeing Reading Rainbow come back, it's interesting because it's LeVar Burton being very passionate about trying to get... 60 seconds. We got it. LeVar Burton being very passionate about bringing this project out. And, and like I said, the response has been incredibly positive, but I do feel that trying to do this with reading rainbow and utilizing, thank you, dark helmet for sharing it, uh, sharing that article. Um, I, I, I just feel that using that as a vehicle to teach kids how to read. I, I'll be honest. Even though I watched all these shows growing up, Sesame street, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, um, Eureka's Castle. You know, I watched all this stuff growing up and my sisters did. I do feel that while it's a great tool to help kids growing up, I don't think that it should be the end all be all. I don't think it should be something that's relied upon to 10 seconds. Thank you. 10 seconds. I, I don't think it's something that should be relied upon to create, um, you know, to, to, to teach your kids how to do stuff. I feel that the best way to experience things like that is by doing them with your children, by sitting down and reading with them, 
by sitting down and and doing math and homework with them and and doing stuff like that. I mean, uh, Josh, who who's one of our writers, he has he has two daughters and he goes above and beyond just trying to teach them about all these different things. And his kids very, very smart. I mean, my mom, when I was growing up, yeah, I used to watch all these shows, but my it all started because my brother had a, um, a a big set of encyclopedias. And if you guys were 80s babies like me, I'm sure you had somebody come by your house and try and sell you encyclopedias. And I don't know why my mom had bought a set for my brother. And it all started with me opening up like letter A and looking up like animal or alligator and just reading what was in the encyclopedia. And I read each volume, kid you not, each volume. And my brother would would help me learn how to do this stuff. I remember one of the, you know, when I thought that I could spell really, really well, my brother told me, why don't you spell anti-disestablishmentarianism? Now, when you're a young kid that's six or seven years old and you hear a word like that, it makes your head spin. And I remember every day I'd try to spell it, every day I'd get it wrong. And then one day I just spelled it and I got it right. And that's what I mean. Like like things like reading Rainbow and using stuff like that. Yeah, it's great. It makes people, you know, it makes people excited and it makes people feel nostalgic. But again, it's it's something that while it's nostalgic and it's great to support, there's there's better ways to teach kids. That's it. It, it, you know, like I said, I started with, with, with shitty old encyclopedias and, you know, it went on to, to reading all these different things. I remember by the time I was in kindergarten, I can read most of the constitution. You know, I remember, I remember being able to read most of the constitution at age five. And I actually have, they made me read, uh, recite the constitution in front of a group of second and third graders and fourth graders. And after I did it, all the kids just like sent me these notes. Remember those really old, uh, wide ruled papers that you would get in school, uh, different notes from different kids saying, Oh, you know, it's really cool that you knew how to read the constitution, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's what I'm saying. Take the time, teach your kids. Don't rely on all this stuff. And for those of you that are eighties babies like me that are having kids of your own that want to pour money into this Kickstarter for reading rainbow. If you want to do it to support something that you grew up with, that's great. But don't let it be the end all be all. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, if you want to enrich your kids lives, take some time, sit down with them, whether it's reading comics with them or reading books with them, whatever the case is, you know, have a hand in, in the development of your kid and don't rely on apps and TV shows and any of that other, uh, you know, that menagerie of bullshit to create independent thinking for your kids. I mean, Jay, Jay Santi is uh is a, is a guy I got to put on notice. I mean, Jay, he has a little girl and, you know, I'm not going to get into his personal, but Jay is always going out of his way to enrich his daughter's life. I see it all the time on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. And the guy, the guy does it the right way, the old school way. And, you know, sometimes the old ways work better. You know, the reliance on apps and all that shit. It's like, you can't do it. It's great. And it's great as an ancillary tool but it's it's not the end all be all. You know, Jay says uh, second grade, I had an eighth grade reading level in seventh grade. I was core reading at a college journal level. And that's what I'm saying. Thank you. Reading rainbow. And that's what I mean. You know that there's there's a there's a right way and a wrong way 
to use all this stuff. And I'm glad Jay brought it up because so many people were excited and, and jumping out of their skin. But there's there's another side to this stuff that I really just wanted to put out there. Anyway, let me go through the rest of the uh, entertainment news uh, for the week, which we don't have much left anyway. Um, so we talked about a reboot of Cliffhanger. Well, how about this? How about a reboot of Stargate? I kid you not. Looks like MGM and Warner Brothers are working together to bring a brand new uh, version of Stargate to the big screen as per, as confirmed uh, by Gary Barger, MGM's chairman and CEO. Roland Emmerich will be involved. Um, originally, he directed and co-wrote the original film alongside Dean Devlin, who is returning to produce a brand new Stargate trilogy. Emmerich will direct the first film, which, you know, the original Stargate grossed $200 million at the worldwide box office. Of course, it spawned a live action TV series spinoff and an animated series plus two direct to DVD films as well. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Stargate fan. I felt James Spader and Kurt Russell had amazing chemistry. I like the concept. I like the story. Do I need to see a brand new trilogy of Stargate? Not really, but I'm curious because the effects of have changed so dramatically over the last few years that I'm curious to see what they do with it. Will it have that same level of of just magic and great storytelling? That remains to be seen. What I would like is to see a James Spader cameo because James Spader definitely was extremely awesome in Stargate. All right, so with that said, that is actually going to wrap up this week's show. Um, I'm very excited with the way things turned out, and we were only slightly over three hours, so definitely, um, you know, it was definitely a a great time. Jay says, Stargate only if James Spader is in it. GFQ Human says, I watched Reading Rainbow, but I didn't read the books. (laughs) Hey, to each his own. No harm in that, GFQ Human. Anyway, let's take it home, shall we? You've just heard episode 230 of My Take Radio for Thursday, May 29th, 2014. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. As always, My Take Radio is always looking for great, unique, and talented individuals to join our team. If you're interested in sharing your thoughts and opinions on MMA, pro wrestling, video games, entertainment, technology, whatever, and you want to deliver your message uh, your way without any restrictions, drop me a line. Again, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We're always looking for great talent. It's a very tight, close-knit group, and we always, you know, we're always looking for, for the best talent out there. So again, if you're interested, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. As for My Take Radio itself, where can you find us? On Twitter, at mytakeradio. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio, and Add us to your circles on Google+. You can follow our boards on Pinterest as well if you're into that sort of thing. And last but not least, if you want the ultimate My Take Radio experience, make sure to pick up the official My Take Radio app available for $1.99. Gives you access to 96K stereo episodes plus mobile wallpapers and other original content before it gets released to the general public. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the My Take Radio Patreon which, of course, if you're interested in having a hand in helping us grow, uh, you can start as little as a dollar an episode. Uh, right now, we have two tiers set up, a dollar an episode or $5 an episode. You can cap it any way you see fit. And um, what it does is every dollar you donate or every $5 you donate goes towards My Take Radio 
hosting fees, equipment, new gear, whatever it is, and you have a direct involvement in helping MTR grow. Of course, we have to, you know, we're setting up reward tiers. If you donate a dollar an episode, you get an on-air shout-out, much like our friend Javon Lewis. If you do $5 an episode, you will have a special credit in the video at the end of every episode. So there will be a Patreon uh, thank you credit at the end of every video if you'd go with the $5 tier. Of course, as things continue to grow and we continue to do things, maybe we'll throw in some MTR t-shirts or DVD episodes, um, a DVD with all the episodes of the shows. Whatever the case is, we're going to definitely try and do different review tiers, uh, uh, different uh, reward tiers as the Patreon grows. Again, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash my take radio. If you want to leave any feedback on our feedback line, it's three four seven eight one five. Uh, actually, uh, excuse me. Yeah, it is uh, three four seven eight one five zero six eight seven. That's three four seven eight one five zero MTR. If you don't want your comment played on air, please make sure to specify that. And uh, that's gonna wrap it up. Make sure to be on the lookout for brand new installments of MTR Behind the Mic and MTR Beyond the Mic. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR family, I will catch you guys next week. Thank you for your continued support. And who knows, maybe we will break 2,000 downloads. All right, I'm out of here. I will catch you guys next week. Peace. All right, let's pick some music to take us out this week. Uh, what are we going to go with? We, uh, this always happens when I don't pick outro music. So, uh, I apologize in advance. Anyway, I figured it would be wise to go out with our friends from ocremix.org. And we're going to go out with Final Fantasy VII's The Omen of Genova. The artist is Neko Frog, N-E-K-O Frog. And you can download that and any of the other previously used outro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org.